0: It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top 5s and deep dives, we're tired of PTM. Top 5s and
1: deep dives, we're tired of PTM. Top 5s and deep dives, we're tired of PTM. guys,
0: welcome to Top Fives to and Deep Dives. dives. This is uh, Justin over in LA. We've got Mike over in London. What's up, bro? Yo. Man, it's a big ep today.
2: Some heavy hitter
1: guests.
0: L- literally, quite literally, it's a big ep because it's the most, we've never had more than one guest. And for the first time ever today, we have not one, but we have two. And they're both legends of the pod. That you've seen on here a couple times before each. We're doing top five movies of the 2010s. Epic topic here. Uh, Recording this on Oscar Sunday, by the way. Um, It'll be coming out, obviously. You're listening right now a week later. But we're doing this on Oscar Sunday. We're doing a big topic. And so for that, we need some heavy hitters. The one and only Dennis Kosh Jacobs. And Dylan Finerty, what is up, gentlemen?
2: Ooh, baby. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back, boys. It's really good to be back.
0: <laughs> oh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you both. And and if we haven't said this on the pod, I think we have. But we met, Mike and I met Kosh because of Finn. And it's just been the, the loveliest friendship that's bloomed. And the fact that we get to have you both on here together to do this today, it's just, I mean, I think we've all been waiting for this for a long time.
2: That's right. So if you hate this, remember, it's Finn's fault. So <laughs> yep, yeah, sure well, that clear. tracks. Thank you.
0: I'll fall on that sword. I don't even know where to start with this. App. I think we're just going to have to dive in in a moment, but I'll say looking at just an entire decade of movies. It's a very difficult thing. I mean, for some people, it's easy. Mike, it sounds like it was an easy, easy in the sense of he sort of knew what his favorites were for me. Well, going through a decade of film, it's like there's so many different genres. There's serious dramas. There's coming of age films. There's comedies. There's sci fi movies. There's comic book movies, superhero like there's just everything. And knowing what I wanted to pull from was very difficult for me, at least to get this down to five, because I probably had a solid 10 to 15 that I absolutely adore. So it was tough, but but choices had to be made. I'm, I'm curious, how was, how was the process for the rest of you guys?
2: For me, actually, the my top three came immediately. Like, as soon as we decided on this topic, my top three came, boom, boom, boom. And the real struggle was four and five. And then, like, five different movies were in a potential rotation for those two spots.
3: Yeah. um, I mean, I I think similarly, at least, you know, from the outset, I was like, oh, you know, when I think of this decade, I I think of so-and-so. But the more I I dove into this and, like, really broke down what came out from 2010 to 2019, it was kind of (laughs) disappointing. Um, I think it was actually one of the weakest decades we've ever had from a film perspective. And I know that might be a hot take with you guys. How dare you? Dang I just, I, I think that that is probably a, uh, a weak one. However, um, there are some gems and I was happy to kind of research them and, and, you know, re- kind of rediscover some of the things that maybe I even had either hadn't seen in a while or um, just didn't get a chance to talk about in a long time. So
0: yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Okay. Okay. And, and the one and only the fucking deep cut master, Mr. Mike talk to us
1: no no deep cuts today but i you know i i log and rate like every film that i watch so i literally just took the top scores like and i wasn't gonna consider i wasn't gonna consider anything else because it's like i don't know can it really sneak in at the last moment and be like my favorite film of the fucking decade no like i have
2: to really already love it i think i just realized that like we actually cut mike off at the knees by not allowing him to pick a movie before 2010 in the first place (laughs) So he, I'm sure like that was his initial spiral. It's like, well, but all these, well, there's only like three, three options that don't have color. I I don't know what to choose.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought we threw in 1910s at first. And I was like, there's not that many surviving films from
2: the 10s. Oh my God. The amount of things streaming that were released in 1917 are surprisingly slim.
1: Yeah.
0: Unreal. <laughs> I was like, seriously, I feel like we needed to, not allowing Mike to really go prior to like the 1990s is, is a crutch.
1: Another app. Another app.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. I think we just have to do this. So the order today is going to be Coach, Mike, Finn, me. And Coach, my friend, do us the honors.
2: All right. Uh, here we go. Coming in at number five. I think one of the funniest movies of the decade, and this is my only um, pure comedy um, on the list. I have some others that have some hilarious moments and such, but I would classify this one as a pure comedy, and that is 2011's Bridesmaids. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Finn, did you just snicker? No,
3: no, 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 no. Okay. No. Yes. I'm going to preface this. I'm not a (laughs)
0: Bridesmaids fan.
2: Yeah. I... (laughs) Gentlemen. what are we doing? <laughs> Feeling's about to get hurt on the first pick. Is this is what's yep. going to happen? Yep. Great. I'm so I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, first of all, I think Bridesmaids is hilarious. It blew up Melissa McCarthy in a massive, massive way. She was literally on a sitcom when this movie came out, and the movie made her more famous than the sitcom on CBS at the time did. I think it's truly funny it has iconic scenes when i think of just the pure funny movies of this pat like i don't know to me this one kills it's got a high rewatchability yeah i think it's hilarious
0: i mean it's undeniably one of the most iconic comedies of of the 2010s that i will full-heartedly give you thank you i don't not like it straight up well I don't well, love. You do. It. I don't, you don't like it. There it is. I don't nice. like it. You know what? I'm allowed to say I don't like things. I don't like it. <laughs> I think there's laughs. It doesn't fully do it for me.
2: I mean, that's okay. I guess. I
1: mean. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the, the Snicker Squad. What Finn? Yeah,
0: <laughs> Snicker Squad. <Okay. laughs>
3: no. So he, here's the thing. Bridesmaids is an important film because, uh, you know, it was a like massive success for a complete completely female-led Agreed. film and yes. that you know for that i'll give it some like extra points but to put that film in your top five of the decade is uh is outlandish and i oh can't God. wait to hear the rest of your picks because if that's your leadoff hitter <laughs> we are in for a doozy of an episode it's <laughs> gonna be a
2: great time <laughs>
4: i mean fucking
2: brutal I don't know, man. I think, like I said, definitely iconic. Try, there was a five-year period, a minimum five-year period, where you could not see photos from a wedding that did not have the bridal party lined up like the movie poster from this film. All right, this this one has staying power. I I actually I don't I don't disagree. I mean,
1: pure comedies of the 2010s. How many movies are higher than this? I don't know. Not many. Not many. I, I like it. I like the pick. I think the cast is obviously great. I mean, you mentioned Melissa McCarthy, but it's great to see like Rose Byrne in this kind of role as well.
2: Love Rose Byrne. Wendy McClendon Covey has like, yeah. she's talking about the sheets and having to break them in half. Like, oh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I mean, funny. Maya Rudolph, and there's just so many like smaller roles for people in there. Yeah. Absolutely stacked.
2: What's the guy's name? Chris, Chris Dowd? Chris O'Dowd? Chris O'Dowd? Yeah. O'Dowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Put John Hamm in there as well. Yep. Tim from Tim and Eric is in there. Yeah, in town, the writing team from Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. This go. is true. This is true. I, I, I like this pick. It's ballsy, Thank and you. I like it.
2: Thank you. If there's one person I need to agree with me on this, it's the man who's made the craziest picks in the history of this show. So this is good. Clearly, battle lines have been drawn. I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> yep. Battle lines oh, have wow. been okay. drawn.
3: That's my number five, 2011. I just feel personally insulted because of like the struggle I went through to put my list together, and to see somebody just put in bridesmaids, just it, it it basically like disavows everything that I I worked for here, and I'm I'm really upset about it.
2: Wow. Well, if I've also successfully sucked the life force out of you with my first pick, this is this is a win over here, boys. Tell you that. Wow. I love this. This is exciting.
1: I'm really sensing <laughs> sensing an ally here. The only person that gets gets the pot as much as I do. You come in with bridesmaids at number five and disrupt. That's right. I love it.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow. I could name five better comedies from the decade right now. But <laughs> okay. but I won't. I you won't You can't.
4: But you can't. That's
1: the best. I can't. One. You absolutely can't. Okay. That's me, right? Yes, sir. That's you. Mine my, my number five I think is not, I wouldn't say controversial, but it's definitely a film that has its haters. I think don't know if it's ever been an official selection before, but we've definitely talked around it two or three times. And that is 2012's Moonrise Kingdom.
0: Ooh. Great movie. Strong. Strong Very strong. strong.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I said this on the Patreon town, but but you know, between this and um Grand Budapest, I think either of those really could have been in my list. Uh that's like the peak Wes Anderson for me. And yeah, I mean this one. It's where I think it really all came together. You know, I mean, the cast, the, the color scheme, the editing, the production design. I love the like retro Boy Scouts vibe, uh, like New England vibes. I think it's all shot in uh, maybe Rhode Island, you know, and it's kind of that offbeat goofiness that we'd seen from West, plus a strong narrative surrounding around, you know, young love. I mean, who who can hate that? And two debut performances by jared gilman and kara hayward and i just yeah this one absolutely love it and it's it's one that's grown a lot i think it could throw this on basically whenever have a great time only 94 minutes just just a great fucking film
0: yeah mike i mean i gotta agree man like i think we actually have quite similar wes anderson taste because i also think moonrise kingdom and grand budapest are like his peak and i like all like all of his stuff but um those are two of my pretty high honorables. So. Love the pick. I I agree. I think Moonrise is when everything for him finally came together. And it was like the perfect usage of everything that he does so well in a movie. And then obviously Budapest came, I believe, afterward was the next movie after, right? Yeah. For him. Yeah. And that was fantastic, too. But yeah, man, great coming of age. The Wes Anderson touch touch is just chef's kiss on this, as Finn would love to say. And uh, I think it's a very strong pick.
1: Can we start a chef's kiss counter? I try. I stopped myself from saying it. Just talking about this film now, but it's. I think we're gonna. We're. I mean, it's easily double figures, but. <laughs>
3: When you guys eventually start doing, like, video episodes and, like, the full thing is on, like, YouTube, I want, like, my face to pop up every time that you say it, doing, like, the show. (laughs) "Ah."
1: What part of this operation would make you think we're sophisticated enough to pull something like that off? (laughs) I'm a believer, all right?
2: This one was also co-written by Roman Coppola. That's right, um, yeah. Which is a a fun fact. I know, he did, I think, one or two other West ones, but.
1: uh, I know he did
2: Darjeeling. He also uh, wrote and directed the single film that I ever worked on. So there you go. Really? Mm-hmm. Very twisted movie called A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, which came out in this decade and did not make my list. <laughs> Harsh. Honorables? In the honorables, yeah. I had so many jokes
3: queued up about Toad Koch working on a film that wasn't on this decade, but never mind.
0: Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Did we even get your thoughts on Wes Anderson and Moonrise Kingdom?
3: So I also struggled with Wes. And basically, if you took Mike's rationale and just put it over my like my name, it would be the exact same thing. You know, Grand Budapest was in and out of my list in and out of my list. Um, Yeah, I think it's a great pick. I you know, it's gorgeous. It's it's a it's a beautiful film, like all of Wes's films are. Mm -hmm. And um, I strongly support that selection. And I hate agreeing with uh, team Mike and Coach, but yeah. here we are.
1: Someone unanimous. I, I, well, it sounds like we're yeah, a Mike
0: pick. This is unanimous right now. It's number five, Moonrise Kingdom. We're all happy about it. I love it.
1: So that's Finn. Awesome.
3: Um, all right. Well, then, my first pick um, was a film that I had the privilege of seeing um, a little early um, at a screening at Universal in 2017 uh because my uh my dear friend bridget worked on it
0: shout out bridget
3: shout out bridget and that film is uh 2017's get out directed by jordan peele
1: i know uh, no, this is not. probably
3: an early oh.
1: i have it higher just just shut your mouth shut your mouth
3: okay. i'm not gonna <laughs> go any further other than the fact that it was directed by jordan peele <laughs>
1: You
0: know what? Fun fact, and then we'll never talk about it again until later, but just, Finn, I wanted to match you there. I also saw it early, bud, and I saw it with Jordan Peele. What up?
1: Uh, you mean like you he was with your party me, or he was but... there?
0: I just flexed hard. No, he did a Q&A.
2: And I hope he ate your Q. Did you have any Q's? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh God. Kind of like oh, God. That Listen, I understand it was the proper phrasing, but I still didn't care for it. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm I'm flustered right
3: now because Mike stopped me mid sentence, yeah, and I'm just yeah, my whole did. my whole energy
0: is so off right so now. Off. Like, you know what, guys? I'm gonna bring us back.
2: He Caesar Milan'd you. It was like he said,
0: <laughs> no. stop. He literally was like, shut <laughs> shut shut your whore mouth. Shut, shut it right
2: shut now. It. God oh. damn it!
0: All right, town. All right, let's. See. I don't know if anyone's gonna stop me. I, you know what? I don't think any of you guys are, but we'll see.
2: Bridesmaids off the table.
0: Oh, that's also my number five. Who knew? Um, <laughs> all right. So for number five, I'm going back to 2013. There was a certain movie I saw right when it came out. And I'll never forget. The theater was pretty relatively empty because I saw like one of those, you know, probably like 12 p.m. showings on like some random day. And the movie just it was incredibly moving to me. Teared up a couple times. And I just I walked out of the theater there's there's certain movies and there's going to be a couple of these for me on my list, but there's certain movies that I feel like when you walk out of them, you sort of like you feel alive a little bit. It's just like it it, it touched you in a certain way. And that's obviously one of the special things about about going to the movies. But this movie had a pretty profound impact on me. And that was 2013's Her
3: I oh I have that in my honorables. Great. Town, pick. when you said twenty thirteen, that could have went three ways, knowing you the way I do, and I'm just like I'm shocked, but also in like a good way. Like great fucking pick. Great pick.
2: Thank For you.
1: posterity's sake, I texted town her question mark like ten seconds before he said it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes he did. Oh my god. Unreal. Great, great fucking movie Ooh. though. Go ahead, Town.
0: Yeah, so this is you know written and directed by Spike Jones, um, led by Joaquin Phoenix, also stars Scarlett Johansson or her voice, we should say, and then Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pratt. You know, smaller, very small roles, but yeah, I mean this this movie is beautiful in so many ways. It's if you don't really know what it's about, it's sort of like a a science fiction. I mean, it's it's kind of a drama, like a romantic drama, but it is one of those science fiction films where it feels like completely realistic and where like where the future is heading. It doesn't feel like we're in some crazy futuristic world. It's just it's in the future. You've got Joaquin Phoenix, who ends up developing this like actual like romantic relationship with this virtual assistant it's it's this ai this artificially intelligent like virtual assistant that you just hear it's scarlett johansson's voice but her name's samantha and it's essentially like this technology is very becoming a very regular thing in the current day world that they're living in in this you know near future and it it sees that through
2: I'll the a couple of things I'll chime in real quick. So yeah, it's you know he essentially falls in love with his operating system, right? It's like the idea of like falling in love with Alexa now. Yes. Um, and then I remember one of the the biggest moments, and like his friends, it's it's weird at first, but then they really start to support it because he's truly in love with her. And then there's this crazy heartbreak moment where he discovers that he's not the only one who's she's having this with, but like. It's because she's an operating system. And like how many other, you know, computers and devices are there in the world that she's plugged into? Um, I would say, like, honestly, this and Gladiator, I think, are my two favorite Joaquin performances. Yeah, I think so, actually. The more I think about what he's done, because I don't like a lot of what he does. But yeah.
0: I think I'm absolutely with you on those two. But yeah, it's like, man, this just hits on so many levels because it feels like something that that humans will probably have to deal with in the future the way that technology and everything is heading and so it it just felt like very deep to me in the sense of on the one hand i mean anything that has to do just with human like loneliness and people searching for connection it's a universal thing that we can all connect over and so to see them put it on screen in this sort of beautiful story that that's a tale that you could see being real in the future, I just think Spike Jones did an unbelievable job putting this to the screen, and and I think Joaquin, I'm with you, Kosh. I mean, obviously the the Gladiator role is so epic and like one of the best villains, but I do think this is my favorite role of his ever.
3: Can we just talk about how <laughs> Spike Jones? flanked this incredible incredible film with jackass 3.5 <laughs> yes, sure jackass did. presents bad grandpa sure i did. mean this man was on a run of jackass films like for over a decade and the only thing he did other than that was this like amazing movie it doesn't make any sense and that's i think that's so why good. this is such an amazing pick
1: yeah it's so good i mean and, and uh, by the way, just just take those two roles of Joaquin right there. I mean, this guy's range is fucking unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those films that you watch it, or I watch it, I should say, and you're like, oh, I'll never be a screenwriter. Like, oh, this is this is hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. I could never have done this. Like, oh,
2: this is what it's, it's like when so it's good. So real. Got it. So real.
1: And it's, um, you know, Town. I mean, you've said a lot, obviously, about, like, you know, uh, you know, the nature of the relationship between him and this operating system. But, like, it's... One of the best movies about relationships, period. It just captures so many like little moments and truths throughout the movie, and and I'll just never forget like sort of the end of this movie. Now we know how. I'm pretty sure is the line, and it just absolutely broke me. It's just fucking oh, like yeah. it's it's like this darkly like romantic tragic like just it it just this movie will end you. This movie is just so fucking good.
0: It's yeah. such a beautiful ending.
3: Hundred percent. I was just I was just gonna chime in that uh, Hoyt. I always pronounce his name wrong. Hoyt van Hoytma, Uh the you know incredible cinematographer. Just mm-hmm. like every frame of that film is Beautiful. um is like a painting. It's really really amazing.
0: And and the score is amazing as well.
3: Yeah, it's uh Arcade Fire, right?
0: Yep. Yep. And th- they do a really good job. Like it it just it hits all the no- I'm not even that big of a fan to be honest. Like they're good, but this movie I feel like they do a perfect job and it just accentuates it so well, but fucking unbelievable film. Absolutely love it.
1: Okay. All right. All right. That's one one round through. Back to Kosh for number four.
2: I'm really excited to, g- to go from her to my next pick. Is This is where I want to be right now. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> I love this movie. I was hyped for it from the trailer. It did not disappoint. It is incredibly entertaining i have seen it multiple times it sparked a franchise a three film franchise i would say the career of its lead and one of its other cast members exploded after this and clearly i am talking about 2012's pitch perfect oh Oh, wow
3: wow. you know i i got nothing
2: (laughs) yeah you can't argue
1: i have to say i've i've never seen this movie Oh, you're what? missing out,
2: man. You're missing out. It is. Listen, we're probably going to get to some others that like maybe more people think are more definitive of the decade. But I promise you, Pitch Perfect is, first of all, another mostly funny, but um, definitely has, you know, I think more of like given its its music, like the music running the whole thing through and like the fact that the story is based on it. That's why I didn't say it's a pure comedy. Anna Kendrick is wonderful and peak, adorable Anna Kendrick. Rebel Wilson takes off in such a major way after this movie. It introduces a whole bunch of kids to um, Simple Minds and The Breakfast Club. So I'm a fan of that. It's great. Like I said, spawns two sequels. I didn't, I I'm mean, perfectly honest, I never saw the third one. And the second one at least had the Green Bay Packers in it. So I was happy about that. <laughs> but i i love this movie you guys i love it it made a metric ton of money um it's it written by k canon and another one that's just like i don't know powerful women and uh, i love it i love it so much
3: so i i you know i actually want to apologize for my reaction coach uh as you sat there and, and talked about it it made me remember that i myself have probably watched this film like 15 times? There's
2: no way you haven't. Yeah, I know and, you. There's and, and no way I'm, you haven't. I am,
3: you know, the resident musical theater nerd of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally, I was stoked to see uh, Skylar Aston get a yeah. uh, a turn at uh, being a leading man. And he did not disappoint. And of course, it in- introduced the world to the immensely talented Ben Platt. Yep. Yeah, man. I mean, this was this movie is so much fun and the music kicks ass. And uh, I, I will not lie, right when this came out, I was working at a nightclub in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I I asked one of our resident DJs if he would give me DJ lessons. Because, <laughs> yes! or at least give me an intro to how to like DJing because of this movie. Because I thought Anna Kendrick was so cool. Uh, oh my God. It doesn't belong on a top
2: five list, but it's a great, great movie. Oh, it! I'm so happy that it's here.
0: Unlike Bridesmaids, which I'm not a big fan of, I'm all in on the pitch perfect.
2: Yeah, here we go. Here we go.
0: Love it. I mean, again, I've also seen it a ton of times. It's such a fun movie. The songs are great. All of the cast is fantastic. I mean, obviously Anna Kendrick slays and and that was like a big part of, you know, her blowing up and it's, it's, it's absolutely delightful. And is the rewatchability is high.
2: So high. And like the mu like the music is fun. What they do with it is great. Like the amount of times I've just been on YouTube and just been like, I'm going to watch, I'm just going to watch their performances for just a little while. Yeah. I really, I, I think it's, it's not that long. It's not a long film. I don't have the runtime in front of me, um, but it moves real well. It's got a little bit of like, you know, drama and story and Becca trying to find herself and that whole stuff. But I just think it's it's really fun. I do think like it's early 2010s, which I think is actually like a pretty decent, you know, like pop culture snapshot of the time around then. Like mm-hmm. 2012, the world's not a bad place at that time, all things considered. And like a fun acapella movie, like we were very ripe for it. Like yes. if that got released now, I do not think we would have appreciated with as much open arms.
1: I think you're right. I mean, I guess I'll have to talk into this one. I don't know what to say. I, I never, yeah, I never thought about pressing play on this ever in the last ten years. I've never even considered pressing. No, play. and
0: Mike, it's actually kind of like, like I will admit, I did not see it when it came out in theaters or even soon after. It was like a few years at least later. But once I did, I was like, oh, that was dumb of me that I didn't see this. Like, it's actually like really funny too, and like the whole thing is just good. It's an all around very solid movie.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm gonna be free, sort of late May for top five <laughs> musicals. Just throwing it out there in case oh, this, this cast wants to come back oh here. I, I, I
3: guess uh, you know I should have an automatic invite, right? Ooh, yep. yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's
1: go. Okay, my number four also spawned two sequels so far. Didn't didn't launch the career of the protagonist, but relaunched it into its third peak. Also so far. I sense there's more peaks on the way. Ooh. A genre defining film in 2014, John Wick.
4: Yep. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yep. yeah. Great and I pick. thought about I thought about cheating a little bit because I could have easily put John Wick two.
0: I'm gonna be honest. I like two a lot more than one,
1: but oh, wow. okay. Curious to hear your take. Well, I mean, I think you really could go either way. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad there. But okay. I mean, I'll take that. It's almost like a crank moment town in yep. the sense of like. You just don't get movies that you're just like, oh, this is just one of the best examples of this. And it happened in 2014. I mean, there's yep. so many action movies out there. And you're like, oh, this is just unbelievable. You know? And Keanu I mean, this is really, yeah, his third his third peak. He had his early nineties thing. He had his Matrix thing. He's back into this thing. And I'm sure there'll be other. You just you can't stop him. But I mean uh
3: And why would you want to?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All the different influences of sort of global action cinema this is pulling from, you know, directed by someone who's mostly known for doing stunts, especially in The Matrix, right? I mean, it just is the action movie that you want to see, maybe didn't even know that you needed until you see it. Um, Just fantastic, very simple and easy and perfect revenge angle. And it's just, uh, I mean... I, yeah, what, what else can you say? It's just fantastic.
0: Keanu is the motherfucking goat. And this very clearly is the moment where his career went from, you know, yeah, like it, like Keanu's a badass. Like we love a bunch of his films into like, okay, like Keanu is everything. And like everything with just like how ridiculous the Keanu-sance
4: went. <laughs>
0: It just it all fucking just exploded right at this moment. And and yeah, the movie's fucking unbelievable. It's like, how do you how do you just start this unreal franchise with Keanu just with this fucking long haired look? It it, it was next level. And then it just keeps getting more ridiculous, of course, as this trilogy or I guess now there's going to be more than a trilogy goes on. You know,
1: I'll re say this about another film later on, I'm sure. But like the thing about this is like I didn't really know this was in the cards. You know what I mean? Like you see this and you're like, I didn't think this was going to be possible at this Great stage call. of cinema. And then you're just like, oh shit, this is fucking real.
2: Great call. I think the I think the biggest thing for John Wick was, you know, what you're saying, like you didn't expect it. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's a new Keanu Reeves movie out and it's like supposed to be an action film. And then it, it in a time of big social media, it still weirdly felt like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And it delivered in such a major way you would be like you know what i'm just gonna sit in the theater just hit play again just take my just take my money i don't want to move i want to watch it all again right now
3: i mean like i you guys said it all i i there's nothing i can add that that you know hasn't already been said or understood about this film um i think about how much that john wick has been not just uh integrated into like film lore at this point but just like modern pop culture like everybody knows who john wick is and any time that you hurt a dog in a film, you're going to get a rise out of people. And mm-hmm. uh, this uh, this was the ultimate egregious kind of example of that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 badass. Keanu's the man. Good pick.
2: Can I say three quick things, please? One, he's been two different Fortnite skins. For so for you kids out there that are listening, there you go. I'm I'm hip with it. <laughs> two. Uh, we, we we would not have gotten, and I could talk about it because after twenty nineteen, we would not have gotten nobody that super fun movie. I don't think had we not had John Wick and the success of that. Fully agree. No right, yeah. Derek Derek Colstead wrote that as well. Yeah. And the third is um, Finn. To what you're talking about is like you know the, when you hear about the man and his dog. Um, the flip side of that is, did any of you see Pig with Nicholas yes. Cage? Oh yes, yeah. Okay, so I heard, I was told, oh yeah, pig, it's it's just like, it's like John Wick, except with a pig. And um, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not at <laughs> all. But that's what I was told it was. And then I watched that film on a plane and like wept and was very confused.
3: How do we get the person who gave you that review
2: on this podcast?
0: <laughs> what a like, wonderful film, though.
2: Oh, great movie, but just was not what I was expecting when I was like, yeah, great. Okay, yeah, big shoot 'em up And then He's a chef in port. What is happening <laughs> in this movie? When does he start killing a whole bunch of people? Honestly,
1: any any just description of a movie that says it's like X movie with a pig is
2: just fantastic. <laughs> I watched it. It was great.
1: Oh, I
0: also watched it on a plane, Coach.
2: There you go. It's a great plane go. movie. Great
0: plane movie. So, okay, right before we go, last John Wick thought. Need to ha- get it in here because I don't know if I've ever been able to share this on the pod. Very fun little story about John Wick. When John Wick came out, I'm a very big Keanu fan, even pre-John Wick. And I was, you know, getting very pumped up. Action movie, Keanu, let's go. So for those of us that live in L.A., they're, right now it's shut down. But there, you know, used to be the iconic ArcLight Hollywood in the Cinerama Dome. So opening night, they were doing uh, John Wick in the Dome with Keanu doing a Q&A after. Went to it, sat in the front row because I wanted to be up close and personal with Keanu. Obviously, the place went nuts during the whole screening. It was great. Keanu comes out. They're doing the Q&A. The first time I'm able to see in person, like in my in my life, in person, that Keanu is just exactly the human being we all have always thought he is. I mean, he's super nice, cool. Also, just like a little bit like that funny sort of slow way that like Keanu talks in his movies. He's just like that in real life. So all of a sudden he's like talking about John wick and he's like, you know what? He's like, we really should make a drinking game out of John wick. He's like, every time that I shoot somebody, you take a shot of beer. He's like, every time that I stab somebody. And then he said like something else. And then he goes, what should we do for headshots? And like in pure unadulterated, Keanu, he just like sits there thinking for legitimately what felt like ten Mississippi, and he's just sitting there like sort of with that like look on his face, and then all of a sudden it's like it's literally like a light bulb went off in his head, and he just goes, "Oh, I know, tequila." (laughs) That's amazing. And the place went nuts. Just he's
1: the best. I can't follow that story. I was going to say one more thing, but I'm just going to let it go.
0: John Wick, Mike's number five. Mike's number four. Mike's number four.
1: Which brings us to Finn's number four slash first pick. After I was so rudely involved.
2: <laughs> See if Finn can get a whole sentence in. Here we go. I'm not going to lie. I
3: had I, st- I stared at my list while you guys were talking more about John Wick. And I'm, just, and I'm like, there's got to be a way to get get say things that Mike doesn't have on his list so that I can, <laughs> I can elaborate on something.
1: You shouldn't have gone horror. That's a tactical error. I can't, a you know, strategic <laughs> mistake.
3: Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to regroup. And I think I'm going to say something here that hopefully none of you have on your list. So this next movie was, um, recommended to me from a buddy of mine back in Jersey. And, uh, you know, I thought it was just like, It made no sense to me that he would recommend it to me because it just like does not fit his persona at all. But he was like, "Listen, you got to watch this movie. It's gonna like change you." Anyway, um, without further ado, this this film came out in two thousand and eleven, and it was directed by Gavin O'Connor. And that movie is Warrior.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Nice. Great. Great movie.
3: Warrior is the story of uh, two brothers that um, you know went down different paths in life but we're both two incredible fighters that end up on a crash course towards, uh, you know, fighting each other in an MMA tournament, uh, style tournament, um, for different reasons. One of which is, uh, Joel Edgerton's character, um, is a teacher who needs to, uh, you know, pay for his daughter's surgery and his teacher's salary is just not cutting it. So he starts, uh, you know, fighting freelance. And then his brother, um, played by the great Tom Hardy, um, is a uh, veteran, uh, a veteran, I think believe he was a Marine that um, deserted his unit and um, is just this beast of a man that just like cannot be, you know, fucked with in the ring. Uh, their father is a, an alcoholic played by Nick Nolte and his performance in that movie is um, heart wrenching. He's so good. Uh, the brothers, the action, the music, it's just, um, it's really an amazing movie, and uh, I was surprised that a an MMA film turned out to like really affect me that way. And uh, yeah, I just I can't say enough about Warrior. If you haven't seen it, you really really should. Uh, it's it's fucking awesome.
2: I'll have to check it out. I mean, I've been aware of it, you know, obviously since it since it came out, especially because the they also look like they look like brothers. Um, yeah. Which I thought was always, I was so intrigued by. Because like the physicality, one thing, but like in the face, I was like, oh, these guys, like what perfect casting. Yep. So, all right, Finn, if you're that big a fan, it's going on my list, my friend.
0: No, Finn, I, I agree. This is this is a very good film. My brother recommended it to me. Who's He's a big uh, MMA fan. I hadn't seen it until maybe about, maybe five years ago. But yeah, you, you said it best, Finn. I mean, it, you, you don't expect that it's going to be as moving as it is. And it's, it's a really well done, well crafted and, and moving movie. It's, it's a good one.
1: Yeah, I endorse as well. You know, I think some people in the, let's call it the MMA community, get a little, you know, maybe some of the action sort of in the octagon is not, not perfect, but that's the least important part of the movie. You know, and the the family dynamic totally works. Um, big Tom Hardy fan. So yeah. Also just thinking now, like, can you imagine if they wrote a movie where Nick Nulty played a father whose name was Patty Conlin and his two kids were MMA fighters and he wasn't an alcoholic? That that simply could not have been greenlit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, this is gonna be a, a spoiler. I mean hundred percent agreed, Mike, like you're 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 spot on there. Uh the scene where um he relapses is Ugh. I think one of maybe the best performances of his entire career. Yeah, Like it's, yeah. Uh, it really just tears away at you and it's really difficult to watch, but it, you know, from a appreciating a performance perspective, it's uh, it's world uh, world-class.
1: Yes. Yeah, so many times the alcoholic that's trying to get back into the kid's life, you're like, no, don't trust this fucker. You know, he's gonna, he's not gonna, he's, he hasn't changed. And in this movie the entire time, you're like, fuck, I really mm-hmm. hope Nick Nolte can pull it together, you know? Yeah, He's you're trying so hard.
2: It was a real it was a real happy pick. I took Pitch Perfect. <laughs> which some may say is the warrior of acapella movies. So there you
3: go. <laughs> oh, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Unreal. That needs to be the caption of this episode. <laughs> yep. Pitch Perfect is the warrior of acapella.
1: I don't know why nobody ever told me that. I would have watched it immediately. You, Ma-
0: many, <laughs> many moons ago.
2: Been seeing it. There you go.
0: All right, well, I'll close out the number fours for us, boys. And uh, I'm taking us to 2014. I went to Sundance that year and I saw this movie at its premiere and it it had a crazy effect on me right then. I have saw it again when it came out in theaters later that year and I've watched it again since it's been out of theaters and it's a movie that I really think is one of the biggest, like, accomplishments in cinema up to this point and that is boyhood god damn
3: it
2: i'm god so damn it. happy right now <laughs> i fucking hate this movie so, <laughs> so much <laughs> you're a
3: monster nobody else has this on their list just to confirm okay this was the movie coach <laughs> and i be- banked that <laughs> That Mike was going to bring up, and we were going to just oh wow, eviscerate
0: him. Oh my god, you guys, you guys are monsters. You're monsters. I
1: can't wait.
2: I can't wait. Please, all the all the good things first.
1: So, Town, just before you get started, I've officially documented that I picked her beforehand. You also need to tell the people I also picked that you would pick Boyhood like two hours ago when I sent you you the invite to this. In he the did. name that I gave you in the chat,
0: and that name was Richard Link Schwarter, aka <laughs> the one and only Richard Linklater.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And I, I mean, Kos and Finn are off their it ass. Sucks so much. It's so good. <laughs> it is one of the greatest coming of age films ever made. They filmed for uh, a short period of time every year from 2002 to 2013. So it literally. It literally follows the childhood of this kid, Mason, who's played by this guy, Eller Coltrane. The movie focuses on like their family. So there's Ethan Hawke's the father, Patricia Arquette's the mother. And then you actually have Richard Linklater's daughter, Lee Linklater, playing the daughter in the film. So Linklater is obviously famous for his sort of slice of life movies. This is most definitely one of those. And... I just think it's so wonderful how you really just follow this kid growing up year to year over this time and over the course of, you know, about three hours, it's almost, I mean, you're obviously not watching a documentary, but it's like you are watching the life of a, you know, pretty standard kid growing up in America. And I think it's a very moving film. I love the ending I, I just I, you guys are you guys have thrown off my vibe with how much you <laughs> apparently don't like it and I'm fucking pissed because like this movie's a fucking masterpiece. And like I will say like for as hy- hyperbolic as I can get, I don't use the word masterpiece when talking about a movie a lot and this movie is a goddamn masterpiece, longest standing ovation I've ever been a part of and and fucking deserved. It's not only a feat of cinema, it's a great goddamn movie. So I want to hear why you motherfuckers don't
2: like it. The only impressive thing was that they were able to find a window of time for filming in Ethan and Patricia's schedules every <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> this I, I watched this movie when it came out, and I think I just finished it five minutes ago. It's so <laughs> fucking long. I
3: was going to say the only coming of age story was I came of age (laughs) to finish a goddamn
2: movie. Exactly. I celebrated my bar mitzvah and the second anniversary and the double anniversary of my bar mitzvah. Oh my God. I watched this movie and I cannot tell you the amount of times I audibly said, why, why am I still here? Like, (laughs) I don't get it. I mean, it's
0: am... in his top five. All right. Cause that movie is hilarious. This seriously?
2: You should, because listen, nothing happens. All that happens is this kid grows up. Okay. And like his dad sucks, and then he doesn't suck. And then like his mom's whatever. I don't even remember the end of the movie. All I know is that I was just like flabbergasted. I mean, look, I'm impressed truly from like the idea of getting these actors on board to do this. And like, I will give kudos about having the kid, at a a young age agreeing and like his parents agreeing to let him be filmed every year as he grows up, like that's really impressive. And like, we could talk about the child, like labor laws and mentality of that a different day, but (laughs) beyond like beyond the gimmick of it, I was like, okay, I, I got it.
0: Calling it a gimmick is just, that is criminal, honestly. And anyone that did criminal,
1: I actually really like the film and I think it's gimmicky. Like, like, I, it's, Although it's gimmick. It's not it's though,
0: gimmick. Because, because because you know that he didn't do it just for the gimmick, you know, he did it because he thought it was a cool fucking idea. That's the that's that is a fact like, there's no way that he did this and thought, you know, what would be a great marketing technique? If I did this over 12 years, and did a little bit every year, I think he was like, you know what, no one's ever done this. This could be sure. really freaking cool. So, okay, I can understand you calling it gimmicky in terms of a marketing ploy of being like, oh, they filmed this over 12 years, but it definitely was not made with a gimmick in mind. And I think just because it does something that's never been done, calling it gimmicky because of that is a little bit cheap. I think it's, I mean, and Mike, by the way, I love that you like the movie. (laughs) I need an ally, so thank you. But yeah, I mean, this fucking movie, man, it's like... I like slice of the life movies. If that's not your thing, I can understand how it could be boring. I like the idea of just watching someone go through their everyday life. And then throughout this, for me, I did see growth throughout the film and in ways, in certain ways, not all all the ways, but there were things I could relate to from my childhood and, and how I grew up and sort of getting then to that older, you know, age where he ends the film around 18. And it I don't know, for me, it really struck it really struck a nerve for me. I thought it was a fantastic piece of art. And I still there's not many times that I like truly am just like sitting here angry about like a best picture snub. Like speaking of our episode way back in the day with Rory, go check it out if you've never, you know, listened to that one. Also recording this on the day of the Oscars. I think Boyhood not winning best picture is one of the biggest snubs in Oscar history.
2: Was that Birdman
0: 2014?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of other picks I should
1: have won over Birdman. I don't think this is one of them personally, but I think it's a good movie. I like it. All I mean, right. I've lost an ally. No, but... no, no, it's not that. <laughs> I like the movie a lot. I like the movie a lot, but it is fair to say that the ma- one of the main appeals of it is the accomplishment of doing it. And that, that is a big gimmicky, but yeah, I really like it. I like Linklater, obviously, uh, this movie is exactly one minute longer than the Dark Knight Rises and you can basically just take everything Koch said and that's exactly what I think about the Dark Knight Rises
0: how dare you
1: <laughs> how dare you <laughs> oh boy I'm a fan I'm a fan I, I'm not as high on it as you are but i'm I'm a fan
3: I'm gonna come to town's defense a little bit I don't think that it's uh that the gimmick nature of it or the or the the feature of it which like you said is, you know, the accomplishment of being able to put this together, that actually should be brownie points for it, not necessarily take away from it. I think when looking at these movies, you know, over this decade, uh, you know, trying to put some type of scoring system or like barometer for them, you know, the accomplishment in and of itself should count. And I think that that what Linklater did is impressive. I don't know that it needed to be made um, in that style. Um, I probably would have rather him try and do a true documentary or more of a spend more time on his script because it, it's clear that he kind of just like over the 12 year period started to t- tinker with things and change change the script and they, and they had to probably work around Patricia Arquette's schedule and just I would have rather a movie from the jump that told the story of a boy from first grade through end of high school that was maybe shot over the course of a year with different actors but that's just me Um, But I wanted to say the town that that should not take away from but should rather be counted for why it's good.
0: Well, thank you. No, I respect that opinion. And and that's the thing is, we're all about film being, you know, we all are film lovers, the four of us. And you like when films are innovative and do something that no one's ever done. It it was a landmark achievement, whether or not you like the movie. And you're right, by the way, Finn, that they did make up the Linklater did make up the script as he went along and he even allowed the main actors to like give him, you know, their input on the script because they'd they'd essentially film what they had for that year. He would put together, you know, it in the editing room, and then after having it, they'd debate what they wanted to do for the next year. So it was done in that process. And again, some people are gonna like that, some people not. It is a divisive movie. It got very good reviews critically. But yes, the audience wise, it's definitely a split movie where people either love it or find it somewhat boring. I fucking love it. It's been a great debate, boys. That's my number four. Let's bring it around to number three.
2: I think what's interesting real quick, too, is that, you know, Tanya, you're talking about like the the slice of life film, just genre, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as we I think look at our list holistically, like, I have come to learn that for me, that's all, that's not why I see movies. That is fair. I see movies for much more escapism. Like, you know, Michael Bay, like I'll never be able to see a building turn into a robot, but like I can see some kid get his heart broken any day I want to. And I think that just knowing that like films can do all of those things is really um, amazing and should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in a minute, I'm gonna start Boyhood again, and then I should finish it when I'm 50. So I'll let you guys know how I'm doing. <laughs> All right,
0: it's to me, right? It is to you. I,
3: I was just gonna say, Coach. Before you go into this final three, just know that, like, I think you and I are gonna be fully aligned on the next three. I just want you to know that I'm I'm, I'm putting that into the universe, and we're gonna be in, in lockstep. Wow.
2: Oh, okay. excited. For my third pick, and you know what? I think this may be on other lists as well, so I will say the title and then wait if I have to be quieted. Um, but it went from Pitch Perfect, which I've seen dozens of times, to a film I have seen once that has stuck with me, that is impressive, 2019's Parasite. Lockstep, baby. Stop you right there. Deal. Tonight. Denied.
3: Denied.
2: Denied into Mike
1: <laughs> feels feels good, right, Finn? Oh my God, that was <laughs> that was the, my
2: favorite part of this episode. Finn's been trying, been waiting to make me stop talking for years now, so he's gonna just. This is gonna be his new ringtone. Oh yeah. <laughs> ah. Ah.
1: All right, um, over to me. Always a dangerous prospect, and I am going to a, a film that we talked about on our psychological horror episode with Ooh. Danny Darko big shout out
2: big big shout out
1: and it is my number 1 psychological horror movie of all time 2018's hereditary
2: okay <sighs> i haven't seen this movie cuz i think it would scare me she was robbed robbed i tell you
0: what tony collette she was she's she's phenomenal in it
1: tony Collette's just goddamn killing it for like the last 5 years yeah, yeah, she's on a heater murdering it right
0: now also my my reaction was not worthy mike because this is a great fucking movie so great pick
1: well, it's you know it has its haters. It's only sixty eight percent audience on Rotten Tomatoes, which I didn't exactly realize. But I, I just think this movie has like everything, especially in that sort of subgenre of it, where it's you know it's about sort of grief and inherited trauma, and then kind of losing grip on reality. And then it has this kind of possession angle. You know, there's uh, just incredibly haunting like sounds and visuals um, that still get me. One of the greatest jump scares of all time, for sure and it's just so much fucking going on there's it's two halves of like a totally different movie but it somehow is all like in balance and kept in check and then delivers just a massive ending uh, the, the the without saying anything what happens like 30 minutes into this movie is just bonkers a thing that like you just never think you're going to see in a film never mind like a mainstream film um and it's just there's just so much here besides i mean we're going to get to get out but I mean, this is one of those to me, also in on some level, like you don't expect to see genre defining horror in, in the 2010s. Um, and this to me is it. I mean, it just jumped right to the top of my list for for that specific category. And and I think other people could could argue about amid some but I mean Ari Aster is just yeah, for two for two films in the bank, absolutely smashing it.
3: Can I ask you a question? So when you were introducing it, you mentioned that hereditary, like, I guess from a, was that a Rotten Tomato score of like 68%? Do you typically see, um, because as you know, I'm not a fan of the horror genre at all, as I am a scaredy cat. Um, do you typically find horror doing much better than that number?
1: Not necessarily, but it's weird to see a disparity like that, I would say, in horror. If anything, you get a higher, I think, horror audience score than tomato score. Got it. But I do think there's this weird thing, and, and maybe we maybe we can talk about it now, but there is this thing that's going on where people have invented this subgenre called elevated horror, which is just good horror movies, apparently. And <laughs> I think that is like, I don't know, there's, there's just some weird thing where it doesn't necessarily click. Like, I'm sh- quite sure that Get Out isn't that way, for example. It may be slightly higher critics-wise, but like...
3: Yeah, I was just curious to see if like if they ever did much better than that because I feel like when, you know, in conversations with film lovers and horror lovers, like Hereditary is universally beloved. Um, yeah. And, you know, when Midsommar was coming out, the reason it had such hype is because Ari killed it with Hereditary.
2: I'm too scared to see either of those movies. <laughs> straight up. Straight up. I like... do I... Gosh, I
3: I saw Midsummer with uh, pretty much half the people that worked at Attention with us. We all went, and you weren't there.
2: No, because someone would have had to hold me.
0: I love Midsummer in in the psychological horror app. I, I I believe I have that on my list, and you have Hereditary on your list, Mike.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's all daytime, right?
1: Midsummer really is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that makes it worse. <laughs> Give it a shot.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm gonna be honest coach i think you'd fare better actually with with mid i think hereditary would fuck you up
2: it sounds like from i remember you guys talking about it in the psychological episode because obviously huge fan of the pod over here this is our guy and uh i i remember just being like oh nope i don't nope as if if ever there was a moment where i might have seen it like definitely not gonna now no
1: nope. yep now it's so, gone
2: yeah <laughs> That's no it. like
1: Tr- truly, this movie is like yeah, it's one of the few films of, in like last twenty years that I'm like, I should watch this with the lights on. Like this is this is scary <laughs> as fuck. Like no, I'm not afraid. Devil. I'm not afraid to
2: admit it. <laughs> That's awesome though.
0: Great pick, number three, Hereditary. Dylan fucking Finnerty.
3: So this this next film is um, one of the first movies I ever saw living in Los Angeles, and it was the first movie I saw at my favorite theater in Los Angeles, which is the Cinerama Dome. Rest in peace. Please come back to us. Please. This movie was uh, something I went to based on the fact that I really liked the lead actor, and I did not know anything else about the franchise. I just knew that this looked cool, and I figured, let's see it on a big screen, and it might be fun. When I walked out, I was shook. I could not believe how visually stunning and thought-provoking and just overall impressive it was. And uh, what I'm talking about is 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Wow. Great pick. I don't need to stop talking? No. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, this movie was... I, I still think about it. I... It really just there's there's images that like kind of like are burned into my retina of, uh, you know, a Morton Joe and Furiosa. And like, honestly, Charlize Theron's performance is uh, maybe the most badass uh, woman in action film history.
0: So badass.
3: Pretty, pretty bold of a comment, but I think it, she's up there. There's an argument you um, made for sure. And then, you know, to going back to the point we were talking about with boyhood. Yeah, because, you know, Mad Max and boyhood really very similar.
2: <laughs> now, if they had done boyhood, that's Mad Max style. Exactly. It's hard
3: not to look at what, uh, what George Miller undertook and subsequently accomplished and be like, how in the fuck did you do that? And I think if you you actually see a lot of quotes from his contemporaries, um, some of like the, the better directors now, they'll all say the same thing. They just don't understand how he did what he did. Mad Max is just amazing. Um, I think it could it, it could have gone down as my number one pick. Um, it I struggled with where to where to stick it, and it's one of the greatest action movies ever made. I hope you guys feel similarly.
0: I I definitely do. It's on my honorables, and yeah, I mean when it came out, I'll never forget it. I saw it at the the IMAX at the Chinese theater and with like a massive crew and everyone was just like stunned after because the adrenaline pumping from the moment that it started to the moment that it ended was on another level. I mean, and just, just everything about it, it was the epitome of it really was the epitome of why we go to the theater. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have like, certain friends that I know saw this so many times. I have one buddy, big, big, big shout out to uh, Rich Morgan over in Vietnam. I want to say he saw this in theaters. I know it was at least five times and just like could not get enough of just sitting close to the screen in your face, just getting fucking blasted in the face with Mad Max for what, two and a half hours, whatever it is. It's fucking brilliant.
2: I like this movie more the second time I watched it and that is because the title versus what the movie was threw me so much the first time because it's, like, not a Mad Max movie.
0: But there is a Fury Road.
2: Yes, yes, there is, um, <laughs> which I could, I could luckily hang my tiny hat on so I could still find a way to enjoy the movie. But, like, I mean, he's there. He's just very much a secondary character, which I don't have a problem with, but, like, the previous Mad Max movies are Mad Max. And so that kept like kind of throwing me at first. I just expected him to be the lead of this movie, which he clearly wasn't. So when I watched it the second time, knowing that he was not going to be the main focus of this movie and like be the lead character truly, I found it much more enjoyable. And it's incredible. Like, Finn, you're completely correct. The amount of practical effects and what Mm -hmm. they did, it's so, so impressive. And kudos to the stunt teams that very much put their lives in the line to make that movie.
1: I've only seen this one once and I unfortunately didn't see it in the theater, which was a big mistake. And and I, I appreciate everything that's been said about it. I, I didn't love it when I watched it. I don't know that this is the type of the movie that I would just respond to in the same way that other people have, but I, I absolutely owe it a rewatch. Um, and I have, you know, a lot of respect for making it, but I, you know, I haven't really loved any Mad Max movie, to be honest, even, even Road Warrior. I'm just sort of like,
2: nah, it, it
1: doesn't really do it for me. I don't know why.
2: That's okay. I have the exact same feelings about the new Dune, so it's okay. Oh, did I want the new Dune?
0: Oh boy. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for, for later this. We're talking about the 2010s right For the, for right the now.
2: next decade, the next decade recap.
0: Dear Lord, that'd be another, yeah, seriously.
1: No, no, but that's actually an interesting comparison because it's something about like, <laughs> here the, we go. No, no, no. I'm just saying like the, the overwhelming spectacle that yep. I yeah. think people really respond to, I don't really respond that same way. And that's why it's not like I'm saying the new Dune's bad or Mad Max's for is bad. Not by any stretch, but like, It's not a movie that I'll love ever.
3: Well, that's why, you know, I I understand that some people are just don't like being told what to do. But when everybody is is clamoring to say like Dune or Mad Max, go see it in a theater. You have to see it in a theater. It's not because they're being snobs. It's because the director and the, the production team made it to be consumed in that medium that's mm-hmm. how it's yeah. supposed to yeah, be yeah, seen yeah. and if to see it in another way you are not doing it justice and you're actually not seeing the same thing that, you, that everybody else is talking about so like when i'm talking to you about mad max you actually don't know what i'm talking about because you did not see it in a theater and i think that that actually has a lot to do with like uh, you know the dunes of the world and um you know other films of that nature that are just like you know blockbusters it's, they are spectacles and
2: you missed out I agree. I was like mad. I was I was actually angry that it was available on HBO Max the same day, because if it wasn't, then that definitely would have been the kind of film that I would have gone to go see in theaters. But I was like, oh, it's already here. Like, I'm paying for this. I could just watch it right now. And I did. And I think it ruined the potential experience.
1: Can I? we just say go to the theater? Like nearly every movie yeah, is made to, to be theaters. seen in the theater. Yes. Like, watching a horror at home is not the same. Watching comedy at home is not the same. Like hundred percent, it's go to the fucking theater.
0: Go to the theater, and even every time. I know that like certain people. I know I don't know about everyone here. I know Finn isn't like. I know Finn is aligned with me because we go to a lot of movies together out here. But like, even the movies that people say, I'm just gonna watch this at home, like your indie dramedy or whatever. Like I'm telling you there's still something better about seeing it in the theater, going into the theater, get in that dark room, get in your feelings a little bit, like just fucking go to the theater for everything. It's, it's the most magical, one of the most magical places on earth.
3: I, I can't wait till we, till we come back to get out because my theater experience like contributed so much to my thoughts on that film. And I'm anyway,
0: I fully agree. But before we do, I'll hit my number three and I I will say I'm I'm going through my list right now, and as I'm looking at the list going up through, I realize like you know I had what we'll call a top ten, and okay. I was I was picking through that for the the five, and you know I really wanted to do, to highlight a, a a few movies, and I realized that there there might be you know a lot of people that listen to the pod know I'm a big action guy, and there's one or two action movies that I I ended up leaving off the list. So I I went a little quieter some sometimes on this list, as you can see with my first couple picks. And I'm going to continue that trend into number three with a film that I don't think I've really gotten to talk about on the podcast before maybe once if I was lucky, but a movie that I will never ever forget seeing in theaters uh, at the Arclight back in 2012. When it came out, it really had an impact on me. I am a very, very big lover uh, of coming-of-age films. They touch me like not many other movies can. And this one is one of my favorites, period. And that is 2012's The Perks of Being a Wallflower.
3: Wow.
1: Oh, good oh, movie. Wow. Yeah, all right.
0: So yeah, this is written and directed by uh, Stephen Chabosky, who also wrote the novel that came out back in the 90s stars Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, and Ezra Miller as, as the three leads. And then, of course, also, you know, we've got some great smaller roles from Paul Rudd, Joan Cusack, Dylan McDermott.
2: Melanie Linsky.
0: Melanie Linsky. Yep. Ooh.
2: Also killing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, hmm Yeah, I, I really believe this. As someone that really likes movies and TV shows that take place sort of in this in this kind of, you know, high school, coming-of-age realm, I think this might be I, I don't want to go as bold as to say like definitively in my mind it is, but it, it is up there for probably the most realistic take on high school life and just like the little moments between teenagers and and everything in this movie I can somehow relate to. It, it makes me tear up multiple points throughout the movie, especially towards the end. And it's again Similar to how I said when I walked out of the theater after watching her and I I just sort of felt that sensation of like, damn, like this is why I go to the movies like I feel fucking alive. Like if there is a movie that I feel fucking I, I feel my emotions and I feel like I'm alive on this fucking planet and whatever perks of being a wallflower a vote like that that brings that that feeling out of me tenfold. And it's just it's so well done start to finish. Very faithful to the book. And yeah, man, I love this. I think it's Emma Watson's best role. I think it's Logan Lerman's best role. I think it's Ezra Miller's probably best role. I think, and I think they're all great. Just a fucking fantastic movie.
3: I I have to jump in here because this the, I I I completely overlooked this. I don't know that it would have made my list, but this this book definitely meant a lot to me, mm-hmm. and I think the film, which doesn't always happen, really did did it justice, and mm-hmm. I think it was a faithful adaptation. The incorporation of like really big popular music oh. in these and seamlessly weaved into it, so well done. Uh, I think the David Bowie estate probably owes this film quite <laughs> a bit of money. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Downloads that came out of for uh, heroes, yeah. Good. Um, and then also, uh, shout out to uh, Dexy's Midnight Runner for Come On Eileen, Come On Eileen, and, and oh. the, what is it? The living room routine. Yeah, this movie was so well done. And is haunting, and I, I agree, Justin. There's probably few other more accurate portrayals of uh, you know high school coming of age and interactions between peers and also teenagers and adults. Yep. And and Logan Lerman is so good. Um, I, after seeing this, all I wanted to and reading it, of course, but after seeing it, all you wanted to do was go to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror and just partake in it. Yes. It just like uh yeah great pick man i think can't think more highly of this movie
0: thank you you literally with some of the things you just said you gave me chills bro
2: dude they made the rocky horror experience look like the coolest thing that you could ever hope to do with friends
0: they really did and and i mean and it is we we should all do that together one day boys i'd
2: love to Oh, it'd be so fun! I know. Anything
3: to get Mike back to the states, and I'm in. Yes, yes.
1: yes. You, you had me at Tim Curry. <laughs> <album>. <laughs>
2: yes, Finn will dress as Frankenfurter. I've seen him do it. It'll be great. <laughs> yes.
1: I uh, yeah, I think we've maybe talked about this one more time before on the pod, but we're basically saying the same things. I mean, it's the it's the authenticity about this that that, that brings it home. You know, it's kind of semi autobiographical, but. You know, another thing about this movie is that it was it was initially um, given an R rating, yep, and they were able to back it down to PG thirteen. But that that sort of on the line aspect of it is what sets it apart from some other movies, where it doesn't pull punches on the things that are actually happened to you and people you know at this time.
0: A hundred percent. It's like when you watch it, you're like, they would have sort of been dicks to give them an R rating because it it it's not that like bad in that sense but you're it but you never feel like they dumb down the material at all it feels yeah, very yeah. adult at how they go about it and that is a really interesting piece of it about how it got the r originally and then they went back and were like come on give us a pg-13 and they got it
3: balancing authenticity with accessibility is really interesting with these types of uh kind of you know important messages mm-hmm. that need to get across yeah i think deciding deciding to lean one way versus the other i think they made the right decision
1: agreed yeah it's a great point
0: it's pretty unbelievable that you know you could talk to the four of us right now and we all like this movie and it's like when this movie came out despite how how impactful the book was i don't think when it like when it came out before seeing it i'd ever go into it thinking it was going to be a movie that i would be talking about this highly over a decade or a decade later, pretty unbelievable that a movie like this could have this kind of lasting effect on people.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the way, you know, we talked about, you know, the David Bowie song, but like the the driving in the tunnel scene, like that's so iconic. And mm-hmm. you don't, to be able to get something like that, that cuts through the noise and sticks out in pop culture in a movie that is about what the rest of the story is is really, really impressive. Fully agreed.
1: Okay. So we're through number three, right? It's it's yep, yeah. for
2: number
0: twos, boys.
2: Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, number two, I once again this very, very possible large possibility this is on somebody else's list. So I would give the air where needed. It's been discussed and it it should be discussed for the rest of time. 2019 Avengers Endgame. Wow. We are no longer in lockstep.
0: (laughs) So, Kosh, I'll say. Yeah. It's not on my list, but it was removed very late in the game and only for the reason that I thought that maybe someone else would have it, which, which isn't a reason to take it off, but it was one of the single greatest movie theater experiences of my life. I absolutely love right. the movie. I think it's a, a fucking perfect superhero movie. I just wanted to touch on some other movies. So let's put it this way: it's my number six. It's literally my first honorable yeah. mention. Fucking amazing. Go for it.
2: I get that all day long, and and same thing, right? Like the, it's so funny because we've talked about it. we we just had this this lovely diatribe about the movie theater going experience and one day when Finn's allowed to talk about the movie he picked he might get a chance to talk about it some more but <laughs> don't hold your breath listener um, but seeing that like that film for the first time in a theater and the communal responses it was like it was so it was so visceral and like have you guys seen the clips of the first like the an initial screening of that movie Um, where the whole crowd is reacting to everything in the final battles. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: Okay, right. So like, I just, I'll watch those every so often. But it's, I mean, it's funny, too, because we talked about like, just a feat of movie making, right? So I think Avengers Endgame is, is wonderful. It is one of my favorite movies. Yes, it had 20 movies leading up to it. And I saw each and every one of those.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. But it still was a... It wasn't just a culmination, right? Like, it was a wonderful film that had so much... It, it ran the gamut of emotions. I cried, like, three times in that movie. And also not at the spots that, like, I maybe expected to. But when Scott comes back and sees Cassie for the first time, and it's like, you're so big. Uh, I was like, really? Like, this just broke me? We're like, how many minutes into this movie right uh, now? Like, what is about to happen? Also, as, like, growing up as, like, a, a nerdy kid who was reading Spider-Man comics, and to see all of those characters on screen that way in, in that force with that score. Oh my God. Like it was, it was literally like dreams come true kind of stuff. Um And it worked. And when you think of like the scope that the Russos had to work with to make it work and how wrong it could have gone. um I loved it. I'll rewatch it all the time. Yeah. End game.
0: I could not agree more. I mean, it's the best super for me. It's the best superhero movie ever made. I don't really consider the Dark Knight movie superhero movies, but um, it's fucking insanely good. I I 100 percent in line with everything you said. I think I saw it. I want to say I saw it three times in theaters just because I, like,
2: I saw it three times in theaters. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: mean, you're craving getting that reaction. I mean, that opening Thursday night was the most like the wildest, loudest theater crowd I've ever been a part of like. Some of the parts in that final battle, my brother looked at me while we were there and he goes, we're at the World Series right now. It feels like we're at the fucking World Series right now. Yeah. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Like you said, it wasn't just a, I mean, I'm actually hilariously, you're going to love this. Relate this to boyhood a little bit.
3: Oh my God. Town. I literally wrote down. I have notes right next to me right now and
0: I wrote down boyhood (laughs) comparison. Please go. So, yeah, I mean, in the way that people say boyhood was a gimmick in the sense of the fact that it was sort of the first time something had ever been done in cinema filming over the course of 12 years, Avengers Endgame, you know, it did something that had not really ever been done in cinema. You created this, you know, this world over the course of so many movies that's connecting all of these characters and these plot points And it brings them together for this grand finale that truly it makes me think of how the Game of Thrones guys butchered the ending of their show. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. These motherfuckers could not have crafted a more perfect ending, culmination, just epic, epic movie. It's like they did it. They did it. I literally have no critiques on it. Like, I think it is fucking unbelievable and i could watch this a million times yeah there's certain marvel movies i'm not as high on with within the
2: whatever yeah we won't watch iron man 2 together anytime soon we can <laughs> do that to ourselves for the first oh. couple of, dark, of thor films but no i i could yes please i'd like to
3: take that a step further um so town if you actually check your phone i just sent you the notes and i almost wrote down word for word what you just said oh my I literally, god <laughs> <laughs> like, it's insane. Um, the So this didn't make my list. It actually didn't even make my honorable mentions. But when, you know the, from the accomplishment heartless. respect... No, not, not heartless.
0: I'll never forget when Finn first saw this. He wasn't as high on it.
3: It's true. It's true. I had to see it a second time for it to really hit. But the reason that this didn't make my list is because it is kind of held up by the weight of the 20 films prior. Totally. And that's the reason. But however that is the reason that the experience of seeing it has the weight that it does. And I, you know, I did write down like the 11 year culmination. There is a moment in that final battle um, where the heroes make the charge. It's after the assemble line and they yep. run. And then there's this wide shot. Oh, I've chills, and, and I, you know, I get chills seeing it and it's like, wow, they spent 11 years to get to this exact moment and it paid off. It, it paid off so well. And you know, Sylvester's score in that moment—so anytime I hear it, I get chills because it reminds me of seeing that and like really feeling it. And that's why you know I had that the, the boyhood comparison note. But the other thing I wanted to talk about was you know, Co- uh, coach. You mentioned that like you cried at moments that you didn't expect to. Yeah. And honestly, do you know what one destroys me? Please. It's the end credits when Robert Downey Jr.'s signature comes up on screen.
2: Oh, good pick. And the uh, score
3: just like hits at that moment with the Avengers theme. It's uh, it's like an out of body experience. It like it it feels like wow, this just put in a punctuation mark on the last decade of my
2: life. Yep. Yep. Can I tell you a fun fun quick story? Please. Sure. So I saw Infinity War uh, before my brother did, and my brothers like were texting back and forth, and he goes, "All right, shh, quiet. Got to go watch Infinity War." And I go, all right, man, enjoy it. Um, uh, Cap dies. (laughs) You sicko. You sick bastard. Okay, so he watches watches the movie, and he's like, what? I don't respond to him. He watches the movie, right? Infinity War is also very long. So he texts me back, like, when the movie first ends, and he's like, he's not dead. I go, have you watched the end credits yet? He's like, no, I'm the rolling right now. I go, okay, text me. So he calls me after, and he goes, what the fuck, man? And I go, "What?" He goes, "Everybody died except for Cap." I go, "Yeah, I know, but like don't you feel great cuz Cap's not dead?"
3: <laughs> oh my god, Mean. <laughs> very mean.
2: Um, but I yes, I love Endgame. It is worth a rewatch at any time and uh yeah, I mean, it's funny too cuz like obviously the MCU is continuing and evolving, but it very well could have ended there and would have worked.
0: 100%. It the amount of chills I've gotten over the last few minutes, you boys talking about the movie, it's on another level. And, and Finn, you said it very well of the weight of those 11 years plays a lot into it. And that I respect the fact that you didn't have it on your list because of the fact that you wanted it to be able to stand alone. But but yeah, you also acknowledging that, man, it really does have that weight. And goddamn, it pays off. It's so good.
3: That's my number two. We should give Mike some some space to
0: to add in here.
3: No,
1: nope, you've got. All He's the never space seen he it. Never seen it, baby. That, that was the joke.
0: Hey, went over my head. Hey, Finn.
2: Finn, you just said give Mike space. Mike doesn't like space movies. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: There's just I I have to see the other 47 films before this. You know, it's gonna take me a while. Hopefully they have all of them on my upcoming flight to Australia. I can really knock out so like a go. decade of films.
2: That'd be a good time.
1: I
0: can't wait till our future Marvel episode, my friend.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely we have to do that. That one's up there. I'm free yeah. in August. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two. I'm just gonna sort of immediately pass here. Number two, 2017's
2: get out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it.
2: F- fit just goes. I liked it. Okay, that's all. <laughs> you, know what? you know
3: what? Rarely does a a movie or any type of like story, but more more specifically a movie, come out at the most perfect time in like you know that fits the cultural zeitgeist and kind of tugs at you know the 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 national pulse, so to speak. And this movie came out at a, a, in in a time that this country specifically was really dealing with some shit, and uh, this film had a really great way of um, exposing a little bit of that and kind of poking, you know, at some raw emotions, and done in such a poignant and but yet tastefully tasteful way. I don't know. I, I walked out of this movie changed as a person. That is not a I'm not saying that hyperbolically like that. I I literally was a different person after seeing this movie, and it was really interesting because when I saw it, half the crowd I saw it with were white, and half the crowd I saw it with were black, and it was so fascinating to see where the laughs were, on each side of the crowd and the discussions walking out of the theater, and it really um, I don't know, man. It was it was a really just an amazing accomplishment, and Jordan Peele, like the fact that the half of key and peel made that it it just doesn't make sense but my god is it good
1: it's on some level it feels like like i kind of think what you're saying that it feels like this film was attainable like it was out there sort of in your dreams like a perfect blend of just a fucking great movie and social critique which isn't to suggest that it was like easy in any respect but like this is arguably like the best iteration of that And the amount of thought that went into writing this movie where like not going to give away like any twists, but like watching it a second time and seeing how each little line of dialogue is playing into this, uh, like what's going to happen later on in the film, how you can really watch this. And like you said, like how you can watch this and not really pick up all the ways that it's a very black film, like you just miss it. And then you're like, oh, shit, like that's kind of the point of the movie. You know, like I I just wasn't there for like half of that. And mm-hmm. it took me like two or three times to really fully catch up. I mean, it's it one best screenplay. I mean, what can you say? What can you fucking say? It's yeah. just that that talk about things that don't
2: happen in horror that that doesn't happen. In- yeah. Didn't Jordan Peele say that he wrote it uh, like the impetus was like what it was like for him to meet his wife's parents for the first time? I don't know.
1: I haven't heard that, but that's, I mean, that's, that's basically it.
2: Because he's married to Chelsea Peretti. Uh, I'm going to fact check that. Well, t- I just want
3: to say that there, there's a line that Bradley Whitford says in that movie that gets two separate reactions from depending on where you, <laughs> who you are, essentially. And it's when he says to uh, Daniel Kaluuya that he would have voted for Obama a third time if he could <laughs> Yes, could've. yes. And... I came away with that thinking one thing. I'm like, oh, that, that's funny. He's trying to just relate to him. And like, and yeah. And then obviously figuring out what, whatever. And then talking to, you know, black friends that are just like, no, that represents a part of our culture that is so fucked.
1: What I think is great about that Finn also is it's twice. So Allison Williams says it to Daniel Kahlia before they leave to go visit. She's like, oh, don't worry. Like, they're total liberals. Like, my dad would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. And then oh, shit. when he actually beats him, that's exactly what he says. They double down on it. I just love it.
0: It's so good. It's so fucking good. Like, similarly, I think to you, Finn, because of the early screening, like, I went in pretty – like, I had no real clue what I was stepping into. And, you know, little that I know it would be one of the most important movies of the decade. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was blown away. It's like you step into this movie and it's this—it's epic on so many accounts. One, it's, it's an unpredictable movie. Two, it's blending, like, horror with bits of comedy, but so much social commentary. Like, it just... The fact, again, I mean, you really touched on this, Finn, already. But at the time, being that it was Jordan Peele who wrote and directed this, part of Key and Peele, it was unfathomable. It just it didn't make sense. And it's one of the great horror movies of the 21st century, straight up.
1: Also, Finn, can I just say, you you know, you pointing out the timing of it um, about sort of, you know, coming out in a moment where things were things were going on. Of course, everything's looked up since then, but um, (laughs) (laughs) the other endings that were considered for this movie that would have been considerably darker, I'm not sure I could have handled it. You know, like looking back now, you're like, thank fucking God, because like, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Mm, We just just couldn't have handled that.
0: Yeah, man. This was one of my pretty high up honorables as well. I think it's his best work yet. I can't wait to see what's it called. Nope. Nope nope nope
1: very much looking forward to nope yeah Yeah. very pumped for that okay so that's number two finn's number two
3: um so i'm gonna pass the ball here to uh my man kosh because uh, my number two pick is 2019's parasite
2: nice did you all see parasite that movie's crazy as hell (laughs) i i did not see this movie like it It came out and then like hit the States and was very kind of underground and starting to get like a lot more word of mouth. So I feel like I saw it pretty late in the game, but before the Oscars and knew absolutely nothing about it other than everybody was like, Hey, just so you know, you have to read it. Okay. No big deal. I know how to read. I did not know what to expect and it wouldn't have mattered if I did, because the amount of twists and turns and the social commentary and the acting, like everything was firing on all cylinders um, to where, like I said at at the beginning of this, like I've only seen that movie once and it's not because I didn't love it. And it's not because I don't think about it all the time. You know, I just think whenever I think of something to rewatch, it's just like, I don't know, maybe a little bit more just happy overall, but it was a true phenomenal film. And some people may argue like the Oscars don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but just the fact that like Bon Joon-ho got the recognition that he deserved and that cast got the recognition that they deserved everywhere that they went, like I think was uh, a cherry on top. Um, Finn, go ahead.
3: Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for this. I was actually with our, you know, a mutual friend and a friend of the pod. Uh, I believe you guys called, was it Dr. Action? Yes. Uh, I was at Ian, Ian Fisher's apartment and the, he was like, hey, have you seen the trailer for this, uh, this Korean film, Parasite? And he showed it to me, and we were like, yo, this looks sick. But the part that looked sick had nothing to do with what the movie ended up being. And I think my favorite part of it is that Bong, he lulls you into like this weird sense of relief. Because I feel like, if, especially if you're not like a horror or suspense like lover... You can kind of be on edge going into something that you anticipate being of that genre. And the first, I'd say, what, half hour to an hour of that film, you're kind of lulled into this like false sense of security. You're like, Absolutely. oh, this is like this cute movie about, you know, this family who's like struggling to, uh, you know, get by and they come up with this scheme to, you know, make money and get, like, that's cool. And then it just fucking the hardest pivot turn in maybe in like cinema history. And, and you just take it for a ride. It's so masterfully executed. It's just, it's also another one of those films that like each frame is a painting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. he, he's very meticulous in how he shoots these things. And it's funny and disturbing. And it's something that you, it like it sticks into your brain like, like a parasite. And also just to kind of get, you know, about Bong Juno getting his flowers. I loved, loved, loved what he said at the Oscars when he said if people could just get over that one inch of uh, of subtitles, they would have their worlds opened up to so many amazing films. And I feel like I needed to take that note because, you know, I definitely avoid, you know, foreign language sometimes because I just like, oh, you know, it's easier to listen to an English film. And this movie is just so, so good.
0: Dude. Um, and it, it helped
3: open up that door.
0: Beautifully said. And I want, I know there's been a couple of movies I've said are, you know, pretty high up on my honorables Avengers end game being like literally the highest, but parasite was very close to my list as well. It's so, so good. I think what you just said about Bong Joon-ho at the Oscars was, was beautiful. And, you know, I've always been a guy that liked foreign films, but I will even admit that I felt like how amazing this movie was sort of reopened the door for me where I was just like, I need to just watch tons of them. And yeah. a thing for anyone that doesn't like foreign films, because like, I, I always like sort of i am like, come on, man. Like if someone's like, Oh, I just don't want to read the subtitles. It's actually great because it's an excuse to not be on your phone while you're watching something. Um, Cause you literally can't, you're going to stop understanding what's going on.
2: That's a valid point.
0: So yeah. Parasite though. My God so 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 good like you guys pretty much described it perfectly so I don't think I can add that much but if there's one thing it it really made me dive into it was specifically Korean films and man they got to be some of the best people in the world of cinema right now so if you if you haven't taken that dive you should and Parasite has got to be one of the most exciting movies of, of the decade, no doubt. So happy that it's on both of your lists.
1: Can I just say, am I the only one? Like, I watch everything with subtitles, even English language. Like oh, I,
2: oh,
0: I always... I, oh no, you won't. No, oh, no,
2: no, no. You're one of those. No, Mike. I'm not gonna... I'll tell you why I don't, Mike, for, for English stuff. And that is because, especially for if it's a comedy, I don't like to know the joke before I hear it. That's a good point. I accept that.
0: but yeah, I do. It kills (laughs) me. Like if I like go, like if I'm ever staying at like someone else's house for any reason and I go to watch their TV and they have the subtitles on and it's like on something that I haven't done before and I have to like try to figure out how to take the subtitles off. It drives me up the wall. I physically cannot watch an English thing with subtitles. It'll it'll murder me. I'm like, why are there words on the screen when I'm trying to watch something that I can understand?
2: Literally everything. Oh my, god. oh my god. That's too funny. Um, I think I think what you're saying, town, too, is like Parasite's actually the perfect film for if you're if you're somebody who's thinking about starting to watch foreign films. Yes. Um, it is the perfect like start here. Um, you may find some, you know, once you get going that are not going to be as good. It sets the bar very high as far as quality goes. But if the barrier to entry is is I don't know if I can still be entertained and have an like enjoy an incredible movie while having to read it. Like this will shut that down so quickly. Exactly. Um, and like it's it's so not just beautiful, but then the, the social, the social commentary. commentary is top-notch and everything from the family to socioeconomic to like just human psychology. Um it it's so it's and how manipulation works and can work for different people in different ways. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Finn, good choice. It's it's
1: nothing you less too, than brilliant. The only thing I'll add is that it's interesting to look back and and I guess I'll say retrospect, but it's only three years later. Like this film was kind of of a moment where let's say the Oscars or, or the American audience was looking to be more accepting of other yes. cultures and films, but also yep. started a moment where Korean horror is like 10 times bigger today than it was in
2: 2019. I don't know if we get Squid Games breaking through the same nope. way we did if we did Parasite. Not. Absolutely not. Did Train to Busan come out before that?
1: Yeah, I think it's 17, it maybe. I mean,
0: great movie. But but yeah, obviously like didn't help us break into the mainstream. But that's, I feel like, another very palatable one if you're into... If you get down with Parasite or Squid Game, that's a great one to go to.
2: Well, that's a nice thing too, right? Like that just kind of shows what was already waiting. Because yep. exactly, Train Busan was out there. People see Parasite, and like holy shit, and you're like, okay, great. Well, look, why don't you go to this next? It's our, it's it's there waiting for you. Like the world is at at your clicking tips.
0: Yep. So. For me, it was like I saw Parasite, and then I jumped right to Memories of Murder, another another one mm-hmm. by by Bong Joon Ho. Fucking unbelievable. And then and then yep.
1: And that's that's the point right there, is Train to Busan, people have seen... I mean, it's starting to be seen by more people now who are loving it. Did absolutely nothing when it came out. Made no noise whatsoever.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Parasite, man.
1: So, town, finish up number twos.
0: All right, my number two. So, I'm going to take us back to 2013. And I feel like there's 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 some movies that kind of if, if you listen to the pot a lot or if you're a close friend of mine, maybe you'd expect to be up here or ones that you just know that I really, really like. And this movie, I think there's a few people that know I really like it, but it's it's definitely not only by me in terms of, you know, not always getting the chance to shout it out, but i but I think it's slightly underrated. I think that, It's it's regarded as a very good film, but I think this one needs to be talked about more and more because it is an absolute gem. I rewatched it this week and I have no problem saying it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And that is Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners.
2: Damn, damn.
0: This one just hits me in all kinds of ways. I, I love a good thriller. And this just hits every single note and then some for me. It's it's like, to me, it is, an, it is an Oscar-worthy thriller. And, you know, Denis has quite the filmography at this point. I think he's one of the most exciting directors that we have today. Obviously, recently did Dune. He did Blade, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario. Wow, why why is my mind blanking? Boys, help me film this here. Arrival, enemy with with Jake Gyllenhaal also, and you know he's just he's awesome. Some of these more recent films like Dune and Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine, they have obviously like the cinematography is out of control, and it's great in this. It actually was nominated for best cinematography at the Oscars, but maybe not as appreciated as some of these. Those sort of we'll call them more like epics. And uh, I mean, starting with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal as the leads, absolute powerhouse performances. You've got Viola Davis, Maria Bello, Terrence Howard, Melissa Leo, Paul Dano. You've got fucking Dylan Minnette in a small role in there, who, of course,
3: Jack Shepard
0: Jack Shepherd, Son and Lost, Fake Son. Or was he? Or was he? But and you know, some of you, of course, will know him from 13 Reasons Why, or being the lead singer of the band Wallows. Anyway, just like man, the intensity of this movie. There's there's a dark, heavy nature to it, but it's also just such a fucking mystery from start to finish. There's twists and turns. Like the ending is crazy. Like I love the ending. And Revisiting this this week for one of the first times since I saw it in theaters back in 2013 in the Cinerama Dome with David Kramer. Big shout out. I mean, it blew my mind all over again. Like, I loved it so much rewatching it this week. Like, I want to just go watch it again. Like right now. It's it's fucking brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. One of the best thrillers of all time.
3: Wow. What a pick. I didn't know how much you liked that movie, um, and I think it's really cool that you did. Uh, Denis, for me, is like the best working director, so shout out Denis. To be to say that you have like that it has a rewatchability scares me and makes me con- <laughs> <laughs> concerned for you because that uh, the ending of that film it's fucking grim. But I did want to say that, like you know, talking about the cinematography of this film. Yes, it's not as epic as as Dune and um, and Arrival and things like that, but man, these shots are equally as beautiful. Uh, I the, agree. Like the the, the the shots on the the block that Hugh Jackman's character uh, and Terrence Howard's character live on in the rain is they're, they're stunning. And the bathroom scene, which is iconic at this point and mm-hmm. one of like the best three to five minutes of Hugh Jackman's career, it's really fucking intense and. Uh, it messes with your head and it's one of those ones that you leave the theater and all you want to do is talk about what you just saw and, and yep. hypothesize and argue over what you think the ending meant and the, all that stuff. So uh, this is a really excellent pick and I can't wait to talk more about it with you.
0: I can't wait either. And, and I just want to add before, I want you guys to add your two cents too, but like there's such a grittiness and a, and a realness to this movie also that I love. And And what I say, that's so funny, because actually, when I was watching it this week, I was thinking about that it's so heavy at points that you can't rewatch it too much. But what I mean by like, I'm so eager, is that when I see something I really love, especially something that has like a mystery or thriller element to it, all I want to do is show all my like friends and family and stuff and loved ones. All I want to do, for instance, is I want to sit Alex down and be like, (laughs) we're fucking watching this movie. And I want to see her reaction because it like gets me jazzed up to like, I want to talk about it with someone else. Like, like, Finn, I can't wait to get off this app and talk to you about it. Like, it's such a good piece of film. And you really get to know, especially these two main characters and sort of what makes them tick. And even the name of the film, like Prisoners, it's so simple, but it's it's so Poignant at the same time because, as you watch this movie, and this doesn't give anything away really, but you know if you've ever seen the trailer, you know whatever what it's about at all. Uh, pretty much, at the beginning of this movie, Hugh Jackman is the father to this young girl, and her and another young girl get abducted, and so the movie is about the search for them. And Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective. And I don't really want to give too much away past that because I feel like it takes away from some of the first-time watch of, like, not knowing where it's going. But it is crazy. And and the title Prisoners, it doesn't just refer to, you know, the girls that have been abducted or, you know, anyone else that is a literal prisoner in the film. Every character in this movie is a prisoner to something. And it, it really, like is an unbelievable movie. I, I'm I'm actually shocked that it wasn't nominated for more Oscars. I think it's it's absolutely phenomenal.
1: Can I just say the Oscars that this movie is missing, they're being picked up. Dune is fucking cleaning up at the Oscars right now. We've got some awards <laughs> yes, to go. <laughs> yes it Dune is Dune is, is smashing. Wow. Also Kosh. Pixar baby. Was it really? I told you you can't deny you Pixar of did.
2: For, for, i am genuinely shocked right now surprise 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 told you, that's a bad beat you don't bet against pixar
1: ever the jack black that's school that's of betting you don't the jack black
2: school of betting. exactly <laughs> um on the prisoners side of the world i feel like i need to rewatch this movie because i saw when it came out and like i remember the performances being like stellar but I feel like not much else stuck with me. And who knows what else I was, you know, focusing on during that movie. But I think it's also, it's like his smallest movie, right? Or let's say most intimate, right? Um, Yes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. Is that fair? Yeah.
0: I think so. Enemies pretty like small too, but like maybe has sort of a sci-fi element to it. So I think Prisoners in that sense is his most intimate.
2: Got it. Yeah, definitely worth it. I mean, I like the talent a lot. I just... Aside from knowing that, like, oh, they did a great job. I cannot remember so much of this movie.
0: I think it's really worth a revisit. Sweet. What about you, Mike? Do you like this movie?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> I think this is a.
2: <laughs> be
0: more convincing, Mike.
2: Hey, Mike, how's that meatball sub you just had? Oh, yeah, no, it had it had the the meats and the cheese and the and it was on the bread. You know, I like it. What else? What else can be said? We've we've, we've spoken a lot about
1: prisoners. Fucking I, guards. I, I it's dark, oh, yeah. uh, and it's yeah. It's there it's I think the the Venn diagram of dark movies that you and I both love. Town is is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of them.
0: This is definitely one of them.
1: I mean, what else is there to say besides we don't talk about Bruno? That's that's oh what we my talk. god!
3: <laughs> I don't think anybody else in the world ever has transitioned from prisoners to Encanto as quickly as uh, we just did. That was that was impressive.
1: Wow. Prisoners
2: is the more enjoyable watching experience. So I can tell you that. You know, they say that prisoners is the warrior. Is... <laughs> nope. <laughs> and Kanto is the, is the warrior. Uh, nope, I lost it. Nope. Okay.
0: All right. Get out of here. All right. We're at number ones, boys.
2: Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Uh previously Finn Finn thought that he and I may have the same number one. So Finn, I'll ask you a question before I give you my pick. Is yours from 2018? No. Okay, there we go. All right. My pick, number one, best film of the last decade. A film I saw in theaters, I believe four times, bought it the second it came out, I think is a perfect movie, no notes, wouldn't change a thing, 2018's Spider-Man Into the
3: Spider-Verse. I was literally texting it to you
0: as you were saying it. Incredible pick on my honorable mentions. Same,
2: and Mike. I'm assuming you have it as well. So I should just, I should just wait. I don't know which, <laughs> which I've never seen it. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Oh is this wait, Is this is this like
1: one of the Marvel movies? Or this like, is the like... animated one? No, so this is the animated
2: one. Correct. It's not it's not in the, okay. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This okay, is right. a Sony animated feature. Okay, so this is a Spider-Man story that is mostly about Miles Morales, um, who is the Spider-Man from the creating the Ultimates universe. He is a Black and Puerto Rican kid, a Latin, uh, an Afro-Latino kid in New York. And I mean, everything about this movie works tremendously. The animation is unlike any other animation I've ever seen. Um, they do stuff with like mixed media. There's a whole multiverse, like I said, the into the Spider-Verse, which is loosely based on a comic book run by Dan Slott called Spider-Verse. But uh, like I said, loosely. So the animation is unbelievable. The way they mix styles is is perfect. The voice cast is top-notch. You have... Um, oh my God, I'm going to blank on everybody, but it's, it's incredible. First of all, Nicolas Cage plays... <laughs> The Spider-Man Noir, who's like from like the 30s and is in black and white and is is so good. Um you have uh is it Haley Steinfeld? Yes is, it is is right is Gwen? Shout out pitch perfect, we've come full circle. Oh, here we go. This is what I'm talking about. Um Shamik Moore is Miles Morales, Jake Johnson plays Peter B. Parker, which is a very important thing to know that there is a difference there. Like I said, Nicolas Cage, Mahershala Ali is his uncle Aaron, Chris Pine plays Peter Parker, Zoe Kravitz is in it. It's it's so good. The story is incredible. It's about family and the, the whole idea behind it is anyone can wear the mask and it makes Spider-Man and who Spider-Man is like so accessible. The soundtrack, it is the last, it, it is the most recent film soundtrack that I actually bought. And I cannot tell you how many years in between this one and the last time I did that was, but every single song was like, just hit. Um, There are moments like that could be screenshot and put in museums. Um, See this movie, see this movie. Oh my God, see this movie.
0: It's fucking brilliant. I'll never forget going to see it in theaters. Not because I didn't think it was going to be good. I just, my expectations were, you know, not like crazy high. I was like, okay, like I'm going to see this movie. It looks really interesting. Like let's see. And I walked out mind blown just one of the best, you know, superhero related films ever and it is Can I stop you? What? When you say you walked out.
3: <laughs> you also man. <laughs> did, did you also mention to to our to our audience listening that you missed part of the movie that because is a lie. you walked out to check the fact that the Coachella lineup for that year had just been announced
4: and you walked out <laughs> in the middle of
3: the movie.
0: This is facts. So if, if obviously, if you listen to the pod, you probably oh, know Lanta. that my favorite thing, like one of my favorite things ever is Coachella. And the lineup typically drops the first week of January. <laughs> Went to go see the movie at the AMC Century City. Like had been praying because I knew this was lineup lineup drop day. And I was like, please, God just just release it during the day even early evening not during the movie it's not out by the time the movie starts to go oh god oh god and there's nothing that i love more than when it drops and just immediately looking at the poster seeing who's on the lineup and so all of a sudden i like see i never keep my phone on vibrate in the movie but like i could see the lights like going off on my phone and i was like oh my god and so i literally walk like down because because I'm not a, I'm not a heathen. I'm not going to take my phone out in the middle of the theater. <laughs> Thank and you. Yes. These, I hate when people take their phone out during the movie. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. So I walked down into the little hallway where nobody could see me, still in the theater so that I could see the movie because I, I also can't deal with missing the movie. And I, I stood there and was looking through the lineup in the side for like two, three minutes and Everyone was dying because you you guys, I believe, I think all knew what I was doing or I told you right after.
2: Wait, wait. Did you buy tickets at that moment?
0: No. So, so, so I mean, wait, this is a whole... Left, com-
2: wait, so you got up. Let me make sure I understand this. You already you, had tickets. Okay, you already had tickets. So you got up, <laughs> went into like the hallway area, diverted attention away from a film... Just to look at something that would have been waiting for you when the movie ended Facts. and would not have impacted a purchase or your schedule or anything of that. No,
0: no, 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 no. Let me now let me interrupt again. Okay, this please. is very hard to fully explain to someone that that is not like ingrained in sort of the, fe- the yes. music festival scene. But Yes, specifically with Coachella, there's something, and and really for anyone who's very into a festival when the lineup drops. But with Coachella in Los Angeles, so many freaking people go. We were with certain people that also look at the lineup, and to me, and this is going to sound pretty hilarious to people that you know don't quite understand, you know, what I'm getting at with this whole thing. But there's something very special to me about being able to digest the lineup by myself for a moment. And I knew that the second the movie ended a couple of the other people with us were immediately going to be talking about who was on the lineup. And I wanted that private moment to be able to look at who was there and not sort of get it, you know, similar to how nobody wants a, like an epic ending of a TV show episode or a movie ruined. I didn't want any spoilers. I wanted to look at it on my own accord. And that was that, and it was not going to happen unless I stood in the dark corner of the theater by myself for a moment and you know what <laughs> it was a beautiful movie theater experience sorry to call
3: you out there pal but a, you said a, you walked out you walked <laughs> out of the spider right. a-, Ooh,
0: what a story! with this said fucking love the movie fucking love it and loved the lineup that year for what it's worth as well
2: that's funny also, real quick, we had John Mulaney's Spider Ham, um, which also has one of my favorite stories ever, where he, he didn't know exactly what he was doing, and they just told him just to riff, and he did for a while and just said like nineteen curse words, and they were like, "Cool, cool, cool. It's a family movie, so uh, we can't use any of that work you just did."
3: <laughs> you know, I want to add something to the to the Spider Verse. So, Dennis, this is like this makes sense for you. This is like a Dennis. Coach Jacobs, all day, number one of a decade pick. Like it makes perfect sense. Yes. What I will say is, you know, to, to you know, to Town's experience and to yours. Like I walked out of this blown away, and my primary reason was, you know, as as, as listeners to this podcast would know, I'm a fan of you know Pixar and Disney films. Um, I do like those movies. Um, but the animation style of those movies has started to get a little repetitive over the yeah. last, you know, several years, and you start to see very similar shapes and color palettes, and just like it didn't really get away too much from that, that um, you know, routine of things. And the only thing that changed were like the settings. Seeing into the Spider Verse was like it was it was seeing colors and shapes for the first time. It was the most like stunningly beautiful like animated film I think I've ever seen. Um, I, am still like, like you said, if you, if you screen grab any part of that movie, it, I would hang it up in my house. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's so amazing. And the, the motif of the, of the story and just how it's told and it's, it's epic and it's badass and for it to be an animated film to have all those like, you know, qualities it's, it's, it really is an, uh, impressive, um, project. And, uh, I think it's a worthy pick.
2: Thank you. It's all, I mean, it's a, it's an inspiring film. Yep. Really, I really think that. Like I saw it, I said I saw it multiple times. I saw it twice with my son. And like it's so cool. And and he thought it was so cool. But just like the idea that like anybody could be Spider-Man or anybody could have those qualities. Um and you know, at the end it's it's as as Peter B. Parker says, it's it's a you'll know when you know it's it's a leap of faith. Best feature film of the past decade, if you ask old Koch over here.
1: So, just to be clear, I don't have to see any other films. No, sir. No. This Not, a nope. Not a one.
2: Not a one. You don't that's need any backstory. Point. Go just watch this movie and truly be entertained. You will actually like this one, Mike.
1: I love it already because I don't have to see anything <laughs> you, to see. <laughs> you don't have to do any homework before you go watch it? That yes. Yeah. That's the prerequisite. Okay. Amazing. My number one. Um, I think I'm going to get some blowback for this, I think.
0: Oh no, and don't you is, dare. Uh, don't you dare do what I think you're going to do. Yeah, you
2: had to tell us if it was going to be pitch perfect, otherwise it's awkward. So go ahead. Is pitch perfect too good? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I wasn't exactly ready. I had been leaning towards saying this was my favorite film of the decade. Uh, I hadn't declared it, and then you guys have forced my hand here. <laughs> and upon reflection, I, mm-hmm. I stand by it. It mm-hmm. is a film that. <laughs> oh my gosh, great town. Uh, it is um, a film that I absolutely didn't think was possible. Did not think this was in the cards considering my favorite film by this director uh, was 25 years old at this point. And I am going to 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. Not the master, but a fantastic, Thank <laughs> fantastic, fucking god. Fantastic guest.
0: Freaking out. I'm shocked.
1: I, I think I'm in like top sort of 1% of people that, that like this movie. I, I watch it like I'd say at least once a month. And I, I could watch it at any time of the day, any mood. I don't care how long it is. No film has ever so fast become a part of my life. And I just feel like I know the characters. Like watching it is almost like checking in on friends in a way. Um, and it's, it's just unbelievable because I mean, Pulp Fiction is my second favorite Tarantino film. And I don't know, it just has this, this, this quality that it's just kind of pulls you in. And then it does so many interesting things. I mean, obviously it has this historical fiction angle. It's, you know, a love letter to sixties Hollywood. It's got the big shout out to stunt people. And this is, is ultimately, I think just sort of the comfort food of movies. And I, I can't, yeah, uh, to, to the amount of love I have for this movie in just three years is is unlike any other. That is just the facts.
3: Um. So, Mike, you'll appreciate this. My father and I literally yesterday watched a YouTube documentary on the making of this film. That's amazing. And it was literally yesterday. And uh, I remember when the casting started to get announced and it was like, wait a minute. Tarantino is going to put Leo and Pitt in the same film and the hype I had going into that. I don't know that it ever could have been reached like because I think I built up too much of it and yet it somehow managed to do it. The scene at the end of the movie by the pool (laughs) when DiCaprio pulls out that flamethrower. I don't know that in my life I have ever laughed harder than in that moment. It's unbelievable. The payoff is spectacular. And um, I don't know that it's even in my top five Tarantino movies. That's just me personally. But um, it is really enjoyable. And especially like if you've ever been to L.A., if you live in L.A., if you like L.A., just seeing what the city looked like back then. And, uh, you know, make it makes you want to go to Musso and Franks and order a martini. And who wouldn't want to do that? I've done it.
0: And it's delightful.
2: I saw this movie... And I liked it, and there were certain parts that I really identified with, and then it ended, and I was like, "Good," like I never need to see this again. But I know people really like it, but I didn't get it. Like I got, I got it, but I also was like, "I don't get it." Just for argument's sake, what is your favorite Tarantino? My, I'll give you my top three if I could, please. Please. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume One, and Jackie Brown. Hmm. Nice. Okay.
0: Very nice. I knew you were going to be a Jackie Brown guy. I
2: just knew it. Oh, and I hated Inglorious. Like, oh, it's... how. Oh, wanna... What that movie should have been versus what it was are two totally different films.
0: I feel like we've had this argument before.
2: We may Off have. But... Perhaps. But yes, there you go.
3: I'm a Gentile and I'm not going to speak on this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but just know that I have thoughts. <laughs> The record reflects uh, Mr. Finney. He has thoughts. He has thoughts. No. So
0: like, I obviously know how much Mike loves this movie. I mean, I think it's a great pick again. I think Mike's very well aware. I mean, there are massive fans of this movie and I know other ones within, you know, our overall friend group, but yeah, I think it's great. It's not my favorite Tarantino. Um, Leo Brad pairing is legendary. I mean, one of the most epic pairings in, in movie history. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what's not to like about watching this movie. It's such a fun time. It harkens back to such a specific time in Hollywood that was, you know, exciting and you wish you could go back in time to it. And, um, it's, it's a very fun movie to rewatch. I'll say that. I feel like I actually, and I liked it a lot the first time, but I feel like I've liked it more with each rewatch and,
1: uh, I think it's I think specific. I would have
2: liked it more if there if the Sharon Tate story was not in there. Oh no. Yeah. Disagree. I think if you pulled out Sharon Tate and made the like cult not Manson specific, I probably would have liked it more. Like I I think that's one of the reasons why I hate Inglorious. Like I don't like what he does when he does his like. You don't like when people flips. are rewriting no.
0: the history. Not okay. At all
2: that's you know what but that's I, a fair I think that's what took tenoma. me out in a really big way
0: yeah and obviously makes sense why you would hate inglorious in that so case. much
1: two quick things um pick up the book if you like the movie the book is awesome it's such a fun idea and I love getting even more about the characters that I won't say here in case you haven't read it and two it is officially 3 11 in the morning my time this movie is nearly three hours long and I'm like yeah I'm gonna watch that as soon as we're done here. <laughs>
0: Fuck yes, Mike! Fuck that's yes! Great, that a is a legend. It. Also, it's three eleven. What a great time! Three eleven, three three eleven.
2: That's a man's number one. You want to wonder if that's his number one pick? That's how you know it's his number one pick.
0: Yep, he's putting it on. And you know what? You're gonna drink some. What are you gonna drink? Some scotch with it?
1: I, I only have so much scotch left. We've been talking a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not that's not true. I have a whole bar cut full scotch, but um, no.
0: All right. Epic, 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 Dylan, Finerty, give it to us. Oda baby. My number
3: one is a film that literally defines our generation. Oh, wow. I
2: already took Bridesmaids. It is a,
3: it is a movie that um, was going to have to be made at some point, one way or another. And I'm so glad that the people that made it were those people. The movie I'm talking about was directed by uh none other than mr david fincher
4: oh
3: and it was penned by none other than mr aaron sorkin and what i'm talking about is 2010's the social network
2: yeah that was that was definitely a top a very high honorable for me
1: i honestly thought you were going boyhood like a lot of that lindro that's where i thought you were
2: going (laughs) (laughs) what a
1: twist
3: i am upset (laughs) by what I just heard, but I'm going to move forward (laughs) stronger than I was before. This movie is, is so rewatchable. Yeah. It is so smartly done. The music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is, it's incredible. Just like one note can be played from that score. And you're just like, yes, I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts in 2003. like It it transports you. I think the performances that you get out of Eisenberg and Garfield are some of the better ones in their career. Uh, Garfield has definitely gone on to do some better work, but I think Eisenberg was at at his absolute best in this. Um, Getting to see uh, fan favorite Mr. Justin Timberlake uh, have a really nice turn uh, and show off his acting chops I think was really... Um, Appreciated here. Um, this person is kind of persona non grata, but Army Hammer playing the brothers Winklevii, uh was really impressive. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I this movie is just so so good. It is a complete film. the The storytelling style is unique. Um, the way that they jump between the two, uh, ar- you know, arbitration hearings or you know, court cases and and weave in through this story, it's just expertly done. It's it's people at the top of their game showing off. And it, like I said, it's a story that was going to be told one way or another because it means so much to our culture. And uh, I don't know. I, I will continue to watch this movie probably for the rest of my life.
1: You know what's really strange is I've, I've just only seen this movie once. I saw it in theaters. I thought it was great. And just for some reason, I haven't rewatched it. Which has actually come up, I don't know, of our 20 movies it's going to be. I feel like there's a few or I've been like, I've just only seen this once or yeah. it's hard to, I
0: don't know what it is. I have also only seen it once in theaters. Wow. And I actually did not like it.
2: Whoa!
0: I will say, with that said, I'm not going to trash it because I have been thinking in the past year or two actually that I needed to revisit it because at the time... There was a couple things working against me which is one I didn't really like Jesse Eisenberg. Like I I don't really love.
2: He's not a likable dude and like doesn't play likable characters.
0: Yes. And so like I wasn't a big Jesse Eisenberg guy. I actually love him in that movie Adventureland, but other than that I'm like not a big <laughs> fan of his. And again also like Garfield and Hammer I'm both like eh on and so anyways When this came out, I wasn't in love with the actors involved. I also wasn't like some crazy Sorkin head because I had never seen The West Wing at that point. And I loved Fincher, but I went in, I was a little bit disappointed. I feel like I'm primed for a rewatch now that I am all about The West Wing, have watched the whole thing. I really enjoy Sorkin's work. I think I might have a different opinion now. But I will say, initial watch when it came out in 2010... I was in the minority that was a bit disappointed with it.
2: I love this movie so much. Um, I did not realize when I watched it that Army Hammer was just one person. I did not either at the time. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. And like, to me, it was twins. And so that was like a big surprise for me. Um, completely agree with you, Finn, on, on the music. I mean, I think they won the Oscar that year. Also, uh, the trailer using the Kanye in the trailer itself was like immediately iconic. I think you're right in that, like this is probably Eisenberg's best, and arguably, I feel like he's just doing Mark Zuckerberg as something else in every other role that I've seen him do.
1: (laughs) That's the sharpest and most accurate criticism of the entire podcast.
2: Thank you, but I really dig this movie, Um, and yeah, Tal, you should. I think now, especially if you've if you're more familiar with Sorkin, I think you'll appreciate this because you're such a, a Lynch guy. Finn, have you ever heard the story about when uh, uh, David had Aaron read him the script? Remind me. So he had Aaron Sorkin come over with the script. Oh, it wasn't like 220 pages or something like that? Yes. First of all, it's insanely long. But then he says, okay, read it to me. And he timed every single scene, like how long it took Aaron to do it. And so then when they went and filmed it and they would film the scene, David would be like, "Um, it's 13 seconds too short. Do it again. It's supposed to be this long. Whoa. Yeah. 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 And they shut. So, I mean, he did so many takes with them too. I remember hearing that like the first 30 takes, he was like, all right, that was just for practice. Here we go. The take they used
3: of uh, Garfield smashing the laptop was like take like 49 or something like that. Unreal. Also this movie has one of the best uh, log lines or it's actually not, it's not really a log line. It's more of a tagline and it was on the poster It's you don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. Yeah. yep. Like so good. The marketing was incredible town. I I really hope you give this a rewatch and I'd be honored to uh, partake in that with you at some
0: point. Ooh, Okay. I'm down. This is a movie that I've been thinking about doing a proper rewatch on. So it's happening. It's happening. Great pick that, that just leaves me, huh? It's you. Number one, This was the only pick for me. It was a done deal the second this topic got announced. There's just some movies that are just special beyond special. I saw this movie four times in the movie theater. It's just unreal. It is 2012's Cloud Atlas. Written and directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, as well as Tom Tykwer, based on the... Epic novel, Cloud Atlas, by David Mitchell, uh, which they said could not be adapted into a film because it is so just such a big, large, uh, time-spanning story. And this thing just blew my socks off. We've got Tom Hanks in his self-proclaimed favorite movie role he has ever been in. Halle Berry, Jim Broadbent, Hugo Weaving, who, of course, you know, has quite a relationship with the Wachowskis from the Matrix series. I mean, there's a lot of other people, Jim Sturgis, fucking Ben Whishaw, James Darcy, Keith David, Susan Sarandon, Hugh Grant. But anywho, I'm not going to delve too deep into the plot because it is very complicated. There's multiple plot lines that occur through six different eras in time spanning hundreds of years. The cast all perform as multiple roles. Uh, it's an extremely ambitious film and it is so incredibly beautiful. Somehow the Wachowskis and Tom Tyke, where they, they managed to open up with this insane plot of interconnected stories and if you're really sitting there paying attention, this is not a movie that you can pull out your phone for. You need to look at every frame. It reminds me a lot of Lost in that manner. And it's just like this beautiful web that is spun throughout this film. The score is incredible. Everyone does a great job with their roles. It's such an exciting movie because you just you go to all these different worlds. And the message by the end of the film and what, what you take away from it is quite quite epic and beautiful, and um, it's a lot about, like, reincarnation and, you know, certain beliefs and whatnot, and it, you know, it's one of those movies, you're never going to have every single person love this movie. It's too ambitious for this to be some critically, you know, 100% Rotten Tomatoes type deal, but when you actually go around and look at the best of the decade lists— this movie's on almost every list. And, you know, I think as more and more time goes by, this movie is going to keep creeping up and up because in the way that we talked about Boyhood or Avengers Endgame being like a big achievement, this film, it is an achievement. I think there's something to be said when you know, creatives actually take risks and actually go for it with things. And my God, do they go for it with this film? And you know what? It's not going to work for everyone. Maybe there's a couple things in the film that don't work as well as they could, but it is so incredibly epic. And the fact of what they are able to pull off and how insanely interconnected it is, this is one of those films that warrants rewatch after rewatch I've seen this four times and every time I pick up on so many more layers of the film because everything is thought out and everything connects somehow it's mind-blowing to me and I think that it's a film that's underseen and everyone needs to see it
2: I've never seen it me neither oh neither
0: my <laughs> no <not!
4: laughs>
0: And this is my point, everyone listening, under scene, get your ass to see this movie. It's really sad you can't see it in the theater because this is, a. it will be just as amazing on a nice big screen at home, but it is a theater movie. It really is.
2: That's the power of bad marketing and bad word of mouth. I think that thing came out and was, it was it's long, right?
3: Yes. Is it bad that I thought Cloud Atlas was the movie where the um the countries are like moving like robots that came out like a few
2: years ago? Wait, what movie is that? What is that? Well, I want to see that movie. Yeah, wait, go back. <laughs> are you talking about Pacific Rim two Uprising? No no, but <laughs> no. Town, I appreciated that that impassioned speech. I've literally never seen that movie. <laughs> God bless it. I might finally have to.
1: He's tried to push it a few times on the pod. I'm still not. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. But yeah, I haven't seen it.
2: I mean, you're
0: all honestly, your lives will be enriched when you do. It's it's unbelievable. And I will say, again, movies, obviously everyone has their opinions. There's certain movies that everyone's going to love certain movies. This is not that movie. But it is Fucking incredible, and the people that don't understand a movie like this those aren't the people I want to know. So,
2: bunch of dum dums is what he's saying. Yeah.
0: Bunch <laughs> of dum dums. No, seriously though, this this movie's fucking insane.
2: Oh yes, Finn. Yes, Finn talking about mortal engines. Correct. Yes, that is exactly. That's actually the perfect way to explain what's happening. It's like London as a city, like on like a yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. yeah. But but yeah, I I mean it, guys. Like. I've brought this up a few times on the pod. I don't say this lightly. I've never I I have personally seen this movie with probably over the course of those four times a solid, you know, 10 people. I'd say 8 of those 10 all thought this was absolutely phenomenal. It's undeniably great. You just have to sit down and watch it. It just again, the marketing was bad and people are a little bit like Skeptical of the Wachowskis, which I also think is unfortunate because I think they're I think they're one of the few filmmakers that take these risks and make these really uh, interesting films, whether or not, you know, they always hit or not. Jupiter Ascending was terrible, but Cloud Atlas is unbelievable and arguably, in my eyes, is as big of an achievement as The Matrix.
1: I wish either of those films had more digestible titles. I have no idea what Jupiter Ascending or Cloud Atlas would be
0: about. Well, Cloud Atlas is is because that's what the book's called. So you can't fault them on that.
2: Jupiter Ascending, the, the woman's name is Jupiter, right? Oh, right. Okay. It yeah.
0: might be. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And me and Dr. Action went to see it together. And we literally were cackling, laughing throughout the movie. Oh, no. But, which was fun in its own regard.
3: I'm excited to watch this now because I had no idea what the hell it was. Well, Finn,
0: especially you who loves Lost so much like me, it's the closest thing that I've ever seen on a movie screen that reminds me of it in the sense of everything like being connected and sort of connecting the dots and like moving through this epic movie that also has this epic score. There's a lot of parallels in that sense. Okay. And again, Tom Hanks. Do we all like Tom Hanks? I love Tom Hanks.
1: Of course. I'm I'm kind of just getting into Tom Hanks now.
0: <laughs> that- that's that's very on brand for you, Mike. <laughs> very on brand. <laughs> I wish
3: I could get a a bumper sticker with Mike's face that says that quote. <laughs> I
2: think <laughs> we might be able to make.
0: But, but all I'm saying is, a guy. I think we at the very least all respect Tom Hanks, and for Tom Hanks to say he believes it is the best film he's ever been a part of, and the only one he has ever watched multiple times.
2: That's got to say something. Yeah, it means that he's not watching that thing you do enough. That's what it fucking means.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. I could talk about this forever, so I won't. My number one, Cloud Atlas. Boys, let's recap for everyone.
2: All right. Number five, 2011's Bridesmaids. Uh, Then 2012's Pitch Perfect, 2019's Parasite, And then 2019's Avengers Endgame and my number one film of the last decade, 2018's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right, my number
1: five, 2012's Moonrise Kingdom. Number four, 2014's John Wick. Number three, 2018's Hereditary. Number two, 2017's Get Out. And number one, 2019's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh,
3: And my five were uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out. Gavin O'Connor's Warrior, George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, and Sir David Fincher's The Social Network.
0: Me, I had at number five, 2013's Her, four, 2014's Boyhood. At number three, 2012's The Perks of Being a Wallflower. At number two, 2013's Prisoners, and at number one, 2012's Cloud Atlas. I stayed in quite a little three-year span there with my movies. Yeah, you did. Man, okay. So obviously, we're going to have a million honorables. If you boys don't mind, I'll just rattle a few off that could have been on my list real quick. I'm not even going to talk about them. One movie, which Finn was one of the ones you guessed, The Wolf of Wall Street, one of my faves. Um, I've talked about it to death. Another one that I've talked to death that I absolutely love inception both leo movies and then one other that was very close to being on my list was the raid redemption which i oh that love. was
2: yes that was on my honorables like high honorables as well yes yes so i had a little
0: section
3: in my list that was honorables that i have not seen but i have a feeling that they'd be on my list oh nice and the raid redemption was number one on that wow. and number two number two was inside lewin davis you would like inside and davis yeah
0: But yeah, so those, let's just keep going around. And I've got so many more, but I don't want to take away from everyone. So Finn, give us a couple.
3: So I would be remiss if I didn't mention Sicario um, Mm -hmm. of my man, Denise Films. I think that's probably my favorite. Uh, 2010's Inception, you know, Christopher Nolan's uh, probably the thing he's most famous for outside of the Dark Knight. Yep. Uh, And that that was a movie that you walked out of the theater and just, uh, you wanted to talk about it. I have two more that I want to mention, and then I'll pass off. 2016's Sing Street. That's on mine as well. High up. Um, that movie is phenomenal. It actually cracked my top five briefly, and then I pushed it out. Um, and then this is a shout out to my man Mike. It follows.
1: Oh, brilliant! Wow,
0: that,
1: that's, was on that's my... that was unexpected on... from you. I love it. Nice. I know.
0: I loved loved that movie.
1: Okay let's uh 2011's drive okay mm-hmm. 2019 yeah just recently watched this we talked about it on the patreon town 2019 portrait of a lady on fire
3: i need nice. to see that
1: that movie kicks ass
3: that's a movie you sip some scotch to
1: i will go with uh a two s craig Zoller films brawl and Cell Block 99 and bone tomahawk
0: oh my god i need to see bone tomahawk
1: i've
3: heard that bone tomahawk is really good
1: uh, the last the last one I will throw out before passing to where are we back to a coach is uh Spring Break. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, <laughs> oh no, that, you fucking son
0: of a bitch.
2: Oh my god. How could you? Amazing. That movie's only fifty-five words long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all of them are spring break. And mo- all yeah, of most of them are spring break. Alright, I will tell you my numbers my number six first uh honorable that was in here and out of here, is actually a documentary, um, Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love it tremendously. I tried to rewatch it recently, and it's not streaming anywhere, and I think I'm just going to have to buy it. And then I'm going to give us two Ben Affleck vehicles, The Town and Argo.
0: Town is on mine. Awesome.
2: um, Which I absolutely loved. I'll get into 2014 in just a a little bit. Um, And then I'm also going to give us one more superhero in Logan 2017. And a film that I would love to see a sequel to, Hellgiver, a franchise, 2017's Atomic Blonde. Oh, nice.
0: Wow, okay. Okay, I'll give a few more. So, gotta drop one of my most rewatchable movies of the last decade that everyone that knows me knows I love. 2012's That's My Boy, Adam Sandler, Andy Sandberg. (laughs) So fucking underrated, it's ridiculous. I love that movie. Toy Story Three.
2: You and my kid both, man. He just likes to see me cry though. He, so.
0: Hey, he's a he's a good kid. That's this is what I like to hear. Yeah. You know how we
3: feel about that.
0: <laughs> okay, also one that like was really surprising for me, that like is gonna be very surprising probably for everyone else, because it's like not a movie anyone would think of for being so high up. But like I absolutely love this movie I'm about to mention. I think for uh sort of comedy films or coming of ages it's like really underrated and that is 2011's take me home tonight
2: i never saw that i knew you liked that
0: yeah it's really fun it's got just an awesome 80s vibe that like just rings just throughout it's got such a fun cast like coach i actually think you'd really enjoy it it's a hell of a fun cast. It's it's led by Topher Grace, but then okay. they've also got um, Anna Faris, Chris Pratt, uh, Teresa Palmer, um, Dimitri Martin's in there, oh, Michelle like Trachtenberg, Bob Odenkirk, oh Dan Fogler. It's it's a really fun movie. There's not many movies that I have such rewatchability and like just joy and like if I'm in a bad mood, I could put on Take Me Home Tonight and I'm gonna feel good. Nice. And then uh, one more I'll throw out for now is, oh, the Mark Duplass, uh two Mark Deplace indies that came out a year apart. Safety Not Guaranteed, Safety not Guaranteed and Guaranteed. Your Sister's uh, Sister.
2: Fucking love Safety Not Guaranteed so much.
0: Yeah, how good Safety Not Guaranteed, Kosh?
2: It's, I, when you were talking about Sundance, I, I had the privilege of going, I think, two or three times and got to see the premiere of Safety Not Guaranteed. And, like, that and the way, way back like they both blew like blew me away. The way way back that's also on mine. Yeah. Great. So good. Great film.
0: Yes. Okay. I'm passing the mic to Finn.
3: I I feel like I have to really quickly talk about how apparently on the Oscars Will Smith punched Chris Rock on the stage because he was making fun of his wife. Wait, oh,
1: What, Atlanta. what the Dude, fuck?
3: it's it's bananas. Uh, I will dig, dig in deeper when we're done, but I got had to bring that
0: up caps text from Dr. Action saying, holy shit. So it must be referencing whatever that yeah. is. Yeah.
2: Apparently. Yeah.
0: I don't uh, even know where to begin,
3: it, but tw- uh, Twitter trend
2: <laughs> Twitter trend includes. Was that real? And what just happened as categories? Yeah. <laughs>
3: if it wasn't real, it's cringe. And if it is real, holy shit. But anyway, I want to just shout out a couple more movies. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of the best uh, and most intense movie theater going experiences of my young life. And that was 2016's Lion, in which me, Town, and his brother Dylan cried like babies
0: uh, in front of each other and shared a nice tender moment. An amazing movie theater moment and also one of my honorables, obviously, as I'd expect to be for both of us.
3: Uh, two uh war movies, uh, you know, 2017's Dunkirk and uh, 2019's 1917, uh, both incredible movies.
2: 1917,
3: yeah, 1917. I don't know that I could ever watch that again. Agreed, the first time through was really, um, really amazing, uh, and super intense. And then, uh, two more would be Gone Girl. Fincher's Gone Girl and uh,
0: Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, nice! 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 Such um, I love it. That's a movie. That's a movie. That's a movie. All right, go go over to Mike. Mike, give us a few.
1: Okay, I've not been listening at all. I've been watching this Will Smith video. (laughs) Dude, let's fuck you. You guys have to. Holy it's not even just the punch it's that he's screaming back from back in his seat oh my god uh, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth oh my <laughs> god insane. okay uh, uh hopefully none of these were said let's go with a paul thomas anderson double feature phantom thread i no, don't and no. Down no. no the master no that movie sucks
2: Ugh. i do not like either of those films i, I tried hate to watch the phantom master. thread i tried to watch phantom thread 3 times and fell asleep Every single time. I tried. I really did because I knew somebody who liked it and I was like, it's not possible. But keep going.
1: How about an Edgar Wright double feature? Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim?
2: Well,
0: Scott Pilgrim was said by Finn and great though. You both got that. Amazing.
1: Cabin in the Woods. Oh, Wow,
0: I hadn't thought about that. Great one. Great one.
1: And last one, I'll go with uh, Florida Project 2017. Oh, nice. Nice one. No, just kidding. Nightcrawler 2014.
0: That is that is a big one on mine. That is a big one on mine. How dare you? How dare you so take ju- that
3: from so, me? So just to confirm, Florida Project not to be considered?
2: No, no. Florida Project's 100% not there as well. Got it. Can I can I give like a significant list real quick? I just wanted to call out, we were talking about this, this decade, right? And to me, 2014 was like, it was that year where there was a reason almost every week to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. So if you if I if if I maybe indulge I'll go very quickly. We had The Lego Movie, Captain America: Winter Soldier, X-Men: Days of Future Past, Edge of Tomorrow, um, The First Guardians of the Galaxy, 22 Jump Street, Equalizer, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Whiplash, the previously selected John Wick, uh the most recently mentioned Gone Girl, Big Hero 6, Birdman, Foxcatcher wild and the movie that started an international incident the interview
0: did you also say the best movie of that year boyhood
2: i uh, i i must have skipped over it <laughs> but now that i look back i found it
0: awesome i have to say so i know like we mentioned that beforehand um about the year and like y- y- you know you're saying 2014 which i do think is one of the best years but you know what i went through everything all the years I'm giving it to 2012 for me. 2012's taking my money. So many movies in 2012. I'm just going to go through the list right here. We've got Chronicle. Which really shouldn't have led with that, but I'm going through literally the year. <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: shouldn't have led with that.
0: Okay, we've got Project X. We've got John Carter, which is very underrated. We've got um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is just delightful. 21 Jump Street, Jeff Who Lives at Home. Uh, the Raid Redemption, Goon, American Reunion, which is also on my honorables, uh, Cabin in the Woods, Five Year Engagement, The Avengers, Moonrise Kingdom. We have Piranha, Three Double D. We have Safety Not Guaranteed. We have That's My Boy. You know what? I forget that your sister six sister, although it was made in two thousand eleven, actually did come out in twenty twelve. Also. Brave, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Magic Mike, Ted, The Dark Knight Rises, also on my honorables, Killer Joe, Searching for Sugar Man, Kosh, mm-hmm. Celeste and Jesse Forever, very underrated movie.
2: Also really good movie, yeah.
0: Paranorman, Lawless, which is very underrated and on my honorables, End of Watch, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, end of
3: watch! What a great movie! Great
0: movie. Looper, Boys, Pitch Perfect. Yeah, 2012, baby. Argo. My God, Seven Psychopaths, Sinister, Holy Motors, which I need to see, but I've heard is incredible. Uh, Cloud Atlas, you know, little movie. Ever heard of it? Skyfall, Wreck It Ralph, Silver Linings Playbook, Life of Pi. Zero Dark Thirty, Jack Reacher, This Is 40, The, the Impossible, Django Unchained, Yes, The Hunt, Les Miserables, which isn't how you say it, but I wanted to say it like that. Les Miserables. And, which I actually thought was fucking fantastic. And I'm actually going to end on that. Les Mis.
1: Can we end on Spring Breakers, though?
0: Is, did that come out in 2012? Yeah. Spring yeah. Break. You can't tell me that year's not fucking stacked.
1: I think looking through like my top 40, it was 2017. Okay. So, I mean, just ones that I've already said, Phantom Thread, Brawl and Cell Block 99, Florida Project, Baby Driver, Three Billboards, Dunkirk is 2017, uh, Get Out is 2017. You mentioned uh, Logan, yeah. Kosh. Yep. Also Lucky, a film I like. Also yeah. Logan Lucky, all 2017. <laughs> How about that? Good Time, Wind River, Shape of Water, American Made, Happy Death Day, Disaster Artist is 2017.
2: That is a pretty fucking good year, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a, obviously there's a bunch of others, but yeah, 2017. 17 also
2: had Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming and Girls Trip. Okay,
3: that's a hell of a year.
2: Real quick, I uh, I knew Mike was going to be bummed because he couldn't pick old movies, so I went through and I picked what I thought would be Mike's favorite movies of every year, knowing that he's a bit of a contrarian. Um, so it starts with and he's a lover of horror, right? So it starts with 2010's Paranormal Activity 2. 2011's Green Lantern. This is the real reason he hates both superheroes and space movies, because he thought that they would never top this one. Oh my god, I (laughs) love it so much. 2012's Paranormal Activity 4. (laughs) 2013, The Internship, a.k.a. the best comedy of of 2008.
0: Oh my god, I'm dead. I love The Internship.
2: 2014, Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. (laughs) Oh, Oh my god. 2015... Mordecai starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> <10. laughs> 2016, London has fallen because it's the one with Jerry Butts. <laughs> 2017, because the man deserves some sort of recognition, The Rock for Baywatch. No, Zach Efron deserves a recognition. <laughs> there. 2018, because Mike's a real big political guy, so Fahrenheit 11.9. <laughs> <laughs> And 2019 the movie that we never thought we'd see but thank god we did. What Men Want. Oh
0: my <laughs>
2: god. That's Mike's picks.
0: You fucking legend.
2: I've
1: never just been openly roasted on the pod. No. Oh my god. That was
0: unbelievable. So unbelievable. You win, coach. That was fucking legendary. I've got to throw out just a few more cuz I will it, I have all these ones in bold. I have to say them all. I got to drop rudderless from 2014 great indie movie pop star never stop never stopping so funny about time and the kings of summer which is another great indie That's a really good yeah yep and then i gotta end it off the only way i know how to with my family fast and furious six baby
2: gentlemen we did it the fatal four way
0: it's a big boy
2: three, we're pushing three hours here
0: it's been epic i hope if you made it through this, hopefully there's a few movies you've never seen that now you can go and watch, and it's definitely Cloud Atlas.
2: <laughs> Twenty bucks on this Cloud Atlas.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys, like, thank you so much to to Finn and coach for coming on and and doing this mammoth episode with us. We love having you guys on, so this this has just been a blast.
2: A huge thanks to Finn for for turning me on and introducing me to this and you guys, and appreciate. Getting to play so much,
3: you know. One of my favorite things is uh, playing Matchmaker, and I was happy to uh, find this 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 lovely blending of flavors.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me back, guys. This was a blast. Ah, uh, we love you guys, and we'll we'll have you back again in the future, of course. And uh, everyone else, have a fantastic week ahead. And uh, yeah, if you want, as I always say, leave us a. Uh, Review on Apple Podcasts. Five star review takes a couple seconds, helps us out. And if you want to let us know your favorite movies of the 2010s, hit us up on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives or on Twitter at Top Dives. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Top
1: Fives and Deep Dives with How to PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with How to PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with How to PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius.
3: I am upset by what I just heard, but I'm going to move forward stronger than I was
4: before.